You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on all the awesome and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe, and today we've got a ton of them to talk about. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? Ooh, man, this was an episode a long time coming (laughs) for some of the stuff we're going to be talking about on this, and wow, we're excited for D23 going into it, and it did not disappoint (laughs) no this is gonna be fun well and one of the things i thought was really interesting already is that just one of these announcements or one of these things we're going to talk about would would give us back in the day hours and hours of you know podcast content and now we're doing like eight of them in one show (laughs) and you know it's just it's crazy how times have changed and star wars i mean you know, again, for some people aren't maybe happy with the direction of Star Wars. I'm not one of them, but a lot of people would say, or Star Wars, Star Wars is evolving right before our very eyes. It really is, and yeah. you know, and I think that we're seeing that right now. It's changing, and it's, it may not be where where it's going to hit another golden age. Maybe not necessarily quite yet, but maybe we're headed into it. I, I mean, some people would say we're in a golden age now. I mean. But it's it's crazy because there's so much to dig into. It's like it's it's insane. So, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, talking about it being a golden age or something. I mean, yeah, you could say we're already sort of in that phase because we've had one Star Wars movie a year for the past few years. Um, But then also, I mean, the stuff that we just got all these announcements about at D23, if you look ahead at what's coming over the next several years, even though there's, you know, obviously we got the Rise of Skywalker coming out this year and there's no movie coming out after that until 2022. Um, there's still going to be plenty of Star Wars content uh, to fill, you know, the time waiting in between then. And arguably even more Star Wars content than if we were getting movies, because, you know, you're going to get several more hours of stuff with all these Disney Plus series that we're going to talk about. Um but yeah, let's just jump right in. And before we get to all that Disney Plus stuff, uh, talk about the Rise of Skywalker first, because obviously that's the big thing. That's what we're all looking forward to uh, later this year. Um, and, you know, we, I think we were kind of expecting to get like a behind the scenes uh, sizzle reel type thing like we've gotten in the past at uh, like Comic-Cons and D23s and stuff. Um, weren't expecting to get a full trailer um, and we didn't, but we did get this nice little montage of the entire saga uh, leading up to episode nine and then about 30 seconds of new footage from the rise of Skywalker. 
Um, so as always, like we do when we get uh, new Star Wars movie footage, let's just break it down shot by shot, shall we? Um, oh, yes. Starting with, I mean, the first new shot that we see after the whole montage, and it starts with the original trilogy and then the prequels and then stuff from episode seven and eight um, set to, you know, kind of a nice trailerish rendition of Yoda's theme. Um, and then, uh, you know, we hear the line from Luke again saying a thousand generations live in you now. Um, but then we get our first new shot from episode nine. And I think this is one that I forget if this shot was in the previous trailer or if it's just like a still image that we've seen, but it's when it's, uh, the whole gang together, Ray and Finn and Poe and Chewie and 3PO. Um, and they're like coming up over a ridge on, uh, the desert planet Pasana. Um, and I think we've seen that shot of the whole group together before, but one thing I didn't notice is that the Falcon is in the background there. You can kind of see it off to the right. So this looks like, you know, maybe they're just landing on the planet. Um, but then it cuts to the other side and you can see where they're headed and it's like a whole, it looks like either a village or some kind of festival going on, but there's a lot of people and looks like a lot of like tents and structures and even like some kind of like fireworks going off, but they're more just like puffs of smoke. Um, like some colored smoke and some mm. kites flying around and stuff. Um, so it's got a very celebratory kind of theme going on, which makes me wonder if this is from the, like the, my first thought was, oh, maybe this is from the end of the movie. And that even though it's not really spoiling anything, showing it in the trailer, that maybe this is like everybody celebrating after they've defeated the first order. Um, but it very well could be something else going on in the middle of the movie too. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the ending. i from what I took out it out of it when I first saw it was just that this is the first time stumbling upon I guess the inhabitants of this planet and they're seeing you know what they're maybe they're coming out of time where they're like I said celebrating a special festival that means something to these people and they just come I could kind of picture it where it's like someone's describing them as like a quiet people or a quiet race who are like they very they keep to themselves they don't make much commotion and then they turn around they see this big festival going on and they look shocked and surprised i could totally see that happening where this is where they first stumble upon the inhabitants of pasana but it's a great looking shot i mean yeah we're so used to seeing desert planets just being nothing but wasteland like tatooine or jakku with uh, rubble of fallen ships and does the ship graveyard just everything not looking you know well kept but this is the first time we're really seeing the desert planet where there's you know activity going on there's celebration it's lively it's active which makes for a nice visual it's something you know we can complain all we want about this being another desert planet <laughs> to add to the star wars universe but oh, we can <laughs> and we have <laughs> but yes. it's at least we're getting something different that sets it apart from the other ones that yeah. we've seen so far so i do appreciate that it's just going to be interesting to see what exactly is going on here and what draws them to pasana is it something that they're after that's leading them here or are they going specifically to see these these new alien species and what they're doing here so yeah it's gonna be interesting but it's a great look visually just a, one of the many shots in the special <laughs> preview that just shows the great visual look of this movie i think that there's a lot and again, I, I like I, I liked the last trailer for the last movie. I didn't like the fact that it was, you know, just one shot of Ray for like it felt like forever. And I, I liked the, how we got a little more kind of visual sense of where they're going with the Rise of Skywalker before the, the major trailer, which will get probably in October sometime. And one of the things I'm really grateful that they showed us this is that this kind of reminds me of the prequel trilogy. 
And when you look at this, there's mm. kind of vib- there's vibrant yeah. colors everywhere. It's massively populated. It looks big, and this, the whole spectrum of this kind of thing is is is, is big. And that's what been one of my kind of criticisms of the sequel trilogy is it feels very claustrophobic to an extent. Even Canto mm. Bite, I felt. Um, didn't really have a broad sense of itself. Like, granted, it was a giant, you know, casino planet and or casino area, and there's the racing scene, and, and there, you get a little bit of sense of. But even that didn't feel very big to me. It felt small and contained. And one of the things I love about the the prequel trilogy is that George really went out of his way to show that this is not just a small little desert planet or a small, you know, not desert planet, but small little galaxy or universe where it's you know, sparsely populated. He made Coruscant and then, you know, created, you know, that he, he didn't himself create it because obviously he borrowed from different people, but he had, he had the idea of a city planet, you know, uh, have a bad and whatever it was in the return of the Jedi. And he had the idea, you know, we couldn't have enough, you know, funds to produce that in return of the Jedi. And he eventually did it with the, with the prequel trilogy because, because, you know, technology finally caught up with them and he really used the technology to broaden star Wars. And, and again, was for the best. A lot of people, you know, criticize it because JJ can't handle this. You know, why go to be puppets? You know, and and now <laughs> it's accepted and everything. And obviously, the Clone Wars, you know, benefited from the, all those things that he created in this prequel trilogy as well. So all that being said, is I, I feel like this shot really symbolizes the idea of like, yeah, this is you know, the universe and these planets are vastly populated. Even though again, you know, Canto Bite was definitely had a little bit. More, I would I would give it, even though I that's one of my least favorite things in all of Star Wars. Uh, I will give it the credit it's due, or it definitely has a little bit upper uppers the scale, upper the scale I should say, uppers upper, uh, whatever, scale. ups the scale. Thank you. My English <laughs> is terrible, obviously. Uh, but my uh, my my point is this: is that it's it's something that we haven't really gotten in this trilogy and this is the probably the, the biggest vastness of idea of a populated area that reminds me of the prequel trilogy yet and i'm really excited to see what this planet has because i don't think this is the end of the movie and i don't think this is necessarily a, a festival i think this could just be a village just hanging out doing their thing and this is what they're doing and or or a city or whatever um who knows i'm not sure if it's been already confirmed that it is a festival or whatever but either way i like where this is going and i think there is this is not the end obviously this is not the end of the movie or the very end because i think that ray and kylo have to have some kind of altercation on this planet and there's also other stuff going on that we kind of see that if you remember the knights of ren are on i think this planet as well mm-hmm. because oh yeah, yeah the, and i'm not saying that they they would come to this planet for the first time at the very end of the movie i'm just saying that, oh, you know, okay, they, right. they could be coming back here after sure. doing a bunch yeah. of stuff but also but, i mean it just as easily could be in the beginning or the end of the movie or something like that. But um, no, you make a good point though about it just feeling lived in. Like you're right. We haven't seen this many people in one place in the entire sequel trilogy aside from maybe Canto bite, but that didn't really feel as much as like a place where people live. Cause like it's, that's essentially like space Vegas, right? So like if you were to walk down the Vegas strip, you wouldn't really get a sense of like what life is like for people that live here. Um, it's just where everybody comes to have a good time and blow their money and stuff. Um, and yeah, and the rest of the sequel trilogy, we haven't really seen inhabited planets or sort of people's daily lives aside from like the six people that live on Jakku. Um, 
and then you know everybody had in prime for like five seconds <laughs> well yeah exactly when you know we all thought it was coruscant and it got wiped yeah. out and nobody said anything about it um and then the guy's hanging out at maz's castle but again like people don't really live there like that's kind of like the moss eisley cantina of that movie but moss eisley was in the middle of a city and you see people on the streets just going about their business and stuff and uh yeah so there are a lot of like isolated locations um in the sequel trilogy and uh yeah this is definitely it's cool to see it open up a little bit and uh you know see what some some native people are like i mean we kind of saw that a little bit with like the caretakers on octo too especially in that deleted scene where there's like the whole village having the party but again octo is like supposed to be the most unfindable planet in the galaxy so um again still not really getting a sense of like what that larger scale is like um but yeah, so cool to see that. And then uh, the next shot, of course, is one of Leia. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen, if not the same shot, like a similar one in the same location in the previous trailer. Um, not really much to go on just from that shot. I mean, it's just her kind of smiling, uh, maybe at Ray or somebody else that's in that scene. But I thought it was interesting that um, at the panel at D23, J.J. Abrams was talking about Leia and Carrie Fisher and... Um, kind of just talking about how how like almost supernaturally lucky uh, he was to be able to have like leftover footage of her from episode seven and to make it work in a way that he actually was able to not only incorporate it into the film and like give her a cameo or something, but to the point that he's saying that like she's the heart of this movie. Um, yeah. And obviously, I don't think that means that she's going to be in it a ton. I think he just means like she's she I'm still expecting her to maybe only have a small handful of scenes, but I think they'll be very emotionally impactful and um, have a lot to do with the story or at least kind of the emotional arc of the movie. Um, But it's it is nice to know that um, I mean, a that they're able to still have her feature in the movie in some way, but also in an important way and an impactful way. And I can't wait to see what they do with that. Yeah, and then it just goes back to what we've heard before where, you know, episode nine was kind of going to be Leia's movie. just like Force Awakens was on, Last Jedi was Luke's. And the fact that, like you said, even though she may not be in as, you know, much scenes as was originally hoped, but the fact that J.J. was able to get the footage he needed and just had that essence and that heart like you were talking about to, I guess, be the, a theme of the movie or just a presence of the film, even though when she's not in there is, you know, really cool to hear. And just from a visual standpoint, that shot, I mean, you know, they're using CG, obviously, to incorporate her in this new planet that they're on, and it just looks seamless. So you can't even tell that they're just taking old, unused footage from The Force Awakens and then putting it on this new planet that they're on. So it's just really hats off to ILM, again, just for making it seem seamless. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be, you know, exciting, too. You know, exciting, sad, emotional to see Leia's, you know, final role in the star Wars saga here and, you know, without Carrie Fisher being with us. So, but I know they're probably going to deliver on something really special and everything you're hearing from like the, the family of Carrie Fisher is what a great job JJ and company have done as far as honoring her and just being as something really, you know, emotional and fitting for Leia in this movie. So yeah, we just got this one shot of her in this trailer, but can't wait to see the role she's going to play in the film. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the next shot we get is one of a rebel fleet. Um, <laughs> wait, and I'm watching this again. You know what I just realized for the first time? They're coming out of hyperspeed. It like, looks like they're coming out of light speed in orbit over a planet. 
um, which I don't think we've really seen before, aside from like in The Force Awakens when they tried to do that in Star- on Starkiller Base and Han was talking about how dangerous it was. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just realized they're all jumping out of hyperspace, but unless this is in some kind of nebula or something, it definitely looks like, you know, you can see a sun in the background, but it's like a cloudy atmosphere, like it looks like it's in a sky. So um, I wonder if they'll allude to that, if, you know, maybe Poe is teaching the whole rebel fleet Hans tricks, or if they just kind of toss that out the window for the sake of a cool looking shot. Um, but either way, it's, it's cool to see. And it's also a little bit worrying because if you look at, I mean, obviously you can tell that they have, um, they have been able to build their forces back up a little bit since the last Jedi, a little bit. Well, a lot compared to where they were at the end of the movie, but still, I mean, this isn't even as many ships as they had in, you know, for the, this is maybe about as many ships as they had for the attack on the Death Star, plus a couple of cruisers. Like, um, and it's, it is cool to see so many fighters here. We've got not only X-Wings, but A-Wings, Y-Wings, and B-Wings, which I don't think any of us knew were going to be in this movie. So it's cool to see them again. Um, I really hope we see them in action. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully we get to actually see, see some of them in action and not just, uh, unfolding their wings and kind of flying around in the background. Cause we didn't really get to see what they could do in return of the Jedi, but in rebels, there's that one episode where Hera flies the prototype one and it's pretty awesome. So I'm not expecting it to get that much spotlight, but just being able to, um, you know, maybe see a couple of them actually see what they can do on screen in the movie would be fun. Um, but then they've also got like one Corellian Corvette, you know, blockade runner ship in there. And then another cruiser that <coughs> kind of looks a little bit like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. I was going to compare it to kind of like the millennium Falcon or even like the Ebon Hawk from KOTOR, like kind of a boxy freighter type looking ship, but you can definitely tell it's armed and got some guns on it. Um, it's maybe a little bit smaller than the Corvette and, uh, you know, definitely kind of boxier in shape. Um, but like, that's it, at least for this shot, because then it's juxtaposed with the next shot that they cut to is that shot of (laughs) Imperial Star Destroyers just filling the sky as far as the eye can see. And we'll talk about that more in a second, but you know what, just when you compare the rebel ships to that, you're like, well, dang, like they got their numbers back up, but they're not going to be able to do anything about that. Um, but then I realized this is, it's definitely two different shots. Like if you look at the the sky in the background, like in the, on the, uh, the shot of the rebel ships coming out of hyperspace, it looks like it's just maybe a cloudy day on some planet. Um, the sun's going down you know, it's, it's dusk, but it's other than it being cloudy, there's nothing really going on in the shot with the star destroyers. Like it's dark, it's gloomy. There's lightning. I'm like, that's definitely not the same planet or at least not at the same time. Um, but I do think that shot with all the rebel ships probably is going to tie into that shot that we saw in the first trailer where there's like the a wing that's spiraling down in flames. What looks like over the bridge of a star destroyer. So this probably will be the beginning of some kind of aerial, uh, combat mission. Um, but I don't think they're going to be going up against that entire Imperial fleet. Um, and it is an Imperial fleet. Those are Imperial Star Destroyers, yes. not First Order <laughs> Star Destroyers. Um, and there are hundreds of them. 
<laughs> and it makes the moment of Return of the Jedi seem like nothing. <laughs> yeah, fleet of star destroyers. I mean, you can't send those. You can't send that fleet to the far side of Endor to hide. Like you can see that <laughs> thing coming from a parsec away. But yeah. man, what an amazing looking shot, though. Kind of what you were saying about how more than likely it probably is two different scenes with the rebel fleet and the imperial star destroyers but man i would love it to be the same just for you know you know how much i've been dying to get a space battle in a nebula in this live action star wars movie and if it's like some crazy one that just changes its visual from like like the bright sunny look from the rebels but then it turns into the dark blue and stormy visual inside it that could be really cool for a space battle to a, a big final climactic space battle in the star wars uh, skywalker saga if that's something like that that could be awesome but like you said, I don't see how the resistances or rebels are going to stand up to this Imperial fleet with that many. But, man, is it a beautiful sight to behold. If it's not, this just might be my favorite shot of the trailer. It's a competition with another one, which we'll get to later. But just seeing that visual of what looks like thousands of Star Destroyers all lined up perfectly, just I, my mouth hit the floor and I saw it like, oh, man. And just I kind of got... I'm, I shouldn't say worry, but I've heard some, seen some talk about there's going to be a lot of talk about force visions in this trailer, especially at the end. But I've heard some speculation about this scene being thrown into there as far as being a vision of maybe just seeing what the return of Palpatine can mean, like the Empire just ruling the galaxy with this massive fleet. And while that'd be cool still to see visually, I hope it's not because I want to see this battle take place. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm pretty sure it's not because if you look in the next scene with Finn and, and uh, Jaina or Jana or whatever her name is, um, uh, she you they're in, I think they're in, they're in like the same thing. The, this the background's the same. Their look of shock on their face is there, and the, like I said, the background all looks very similar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I I don't I don't think it is. I've already had it kind of spoiled to me already that it's not, but uh, apparently, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's really interesting to see like what exactly this means and what mm-hmm. what is what does all this mean. And I, to go back a little bit because I didn't have a chance to talk about the starfighters. I, I love the fact we're getting we're getting the B wings and Y wings and A wings, especially obviously Y wings. So I love Y wings. But it is interesting too that this is um, you know where where exactly are they? I mean, is this the whole resistance? I don't think so. And it brings up a good a good question. And I, and I want to know what you guys would think, because this is, you know, we're talking about what does this all mean? Like, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're showing us a little bit. Uh, but like, you know, someone mentioned on Twitter the other day, you know, why can't um, Star Wars do the same thing uh, that the Marvel does where, where they kind of do misdirection in the trailers? Mm. And I thought about that. And I'm also wondering how much they're not showing us. Right. Like, how much are they? Not showing us to where, you know, we we have this, this shot of the of the the space, you know, the starfighters and whatnot. How do we know there's not more? But they just don't. They, again, they're trying to misdirect us and, and only show us that part of it, right? Well, I think or, that's a very real possibility. Like a so. a in the final movie, there could be more ships in that shot, but also like that could just be the first couple seconds of the shot, and there could be more ships coming behind them. Um, no, right. But I, I also, like I said, think that might be just a strike force that's going to one planet. I don't exactly, yeah, necessarily exactly. think that's all of the resistance ships. I hope not. And I, you know, obviously, and to be honest, it's hard. It's really hard right now just to tell because 
we know the time frame between Jedi and, or excuse me, Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker isn't exactly long. So mm -hmm. that's what makes me, I'll be honest, I agree with you, Kyle, but I'm a little nervous because I'm like, well, really, it's only been like, they said, what, six months? No, it's, I think a, year. it's a year. I mean, yeah, like I said, six months? I mean, it's, <laughs> that's what it feels like. I mean, it's not going to be that, like, I just don't know. I, I hope, and I hope there is a legitimate reason, and I hope there is a giant battle. Like, you know, we again, they're setting us up with these Star Destroyers. It's, it's so fascinating, the fact these are not First Order ones, but they're the original Star Destroyers. And so, again, it's it looks amazing, but you're also like, what does it mean? And, you know, I hope it's a good... I, I hope it's a good explanation, not just a cop-out. It feels like the sequel trilogy, a little bit, in my opinion, has been a bit of a cop-out in a lot of different areas and just kind of fan service, you know, and try to, like, rehash different things and over, over, and over again. And I get it, and I just hope there's a real good reason for these things to be there, not just to kind of, yeah, we need to put Star Destroyers in here. Let's get a really cool visual of all these Star Destroyers all lined up, you know, what's... Give me a good reason why they're here. And obviously, I, I, these are tied to Palpatine probably mm -hmm. in some way. And so, yeah, I, again, I think the visual looks amazing. I think this old teaser, little, little little sneak peek we got, it's awesome. You know, where I just, I have a lot of skepticism of where the story is going at the same time. I'm just, I was, ex I'm still excited about this movie. And I, I'm definitely like, I'm staying away from spoilers as much as possible. But Stuff like this makes me nervous. It's like I don't want it to be fan service, just to be like, you know, uh, uh, and and let's be real. JJ's kind of done that a little bit, not not as bad as you probably you know think it would be, but a little bit in my opinion. So I always look at the stuff with a grain of salt and kind of hoping that you know JJ and and whatever his name is, the guy who wrote Batman vs Superman and Argo, Cristario. have a good yeah, Cristario. Like I hope that like they come up with a great idea. And a reason for this, not just to kind of rehash and go, we got to connect it together, throw these Star Destroyers in here. I, I want a real good reason why. So we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah, I kinda... definitely think that's going to be tied to Palpatine. Oh, um, yeah. Like, and I think there is going to be a good story, <clears throat> story reason for it. If we didn't know that Palpatine was going to be in this movie, I probably would be feeling the same way as you, Paul. Like, okay, do we really need that many Star Destroyers? Like, are they doing this just to have it be fan service? Right, right. But, Knowing ahead of time that Palpatine is coming back and then seeing that many Star Destroyers and then realizing that that's not the First Order. That's the Empire. Um, and we know that, like, the Resistance is kind of like they're back to being the Rebellion now. But, like, the First Order is the First Order. Like, they're going strong. Um, and I think we're going to find out that Palpatine, like, is not just coming. It, like, he's not just coming back out of the blue in this movie. I think he either somehow never died or he came back a while ago or at least found some way to influence things through the force like he's been pulling the strings for a long time and i think this is going to be part of it um like maybe they're going to find out he's back and they're gonna be like oh crap palpatine just came back and then we're gonna find out like no yeah. he's actually been around for a long time and is amassing this i mean i don't know if he you would think that he would be using the first order as an instrument so i don't know why he would need a separate imperial fleet so right. i don't know if he's maybe going to try to take on the first order and the resistance or if this is just like you know this was part of his contingency plan or whatever but i do think that that reveal of that many leftover imperial ships uh 
and all in one place. And you know what? That even looks like they could be hidden in the Maw from Solo. Like, you know, you can't even really tell if that's a planet or if they're in some kind mm-hmm. of nebula or something like that. But it definitely looks like a um, a remote location where, you know, again, this is I don't think that fleet is like invading a planet or something. I think that's going to be a reveal of like, holy crap, they've had this hiding here the whole time. Um and I don't think it's going to be a vision either. Like, again, I, I think just because of the ties to Palpatine, I think this is a very real thing that we're going to see in this movie. Yeah, I'm just excited for, I mean, you said a lot of the things that I agree with, Kyle, but I just really hope Palpatine, you know, we know all everything that's transpired, he's probably going to say is transpired as I have, you know, allowed it to or something like he, he yeah. said in Return of the Jedi. It just kind of put away the First Order type of thing where, you know, the First Order, I allowed him to take dominance over the galaxy but you know they had their time and now they served their purpose uh, they only took over the galaxy because i allowed it now it's time for you know my empire to come back and really control the galaxy and that's going to be awesome hearing palpatine monologue like that mm-hmm. <laughs> just her gloat like he did a revenge of the sith uh, it's going to be beautiful but i have another theory that you know might sound crazy but i'll save it for the end because it ties in a little bit with the last shot of this trailer so i'll save it all right um, well, the next shot, and Paul, you kind of already mentioned this, this is, it's Finn and Janna in the cockpit of a ship, and it looks like they could be, I mean, again, at least the way the trailer was edited, it looks like they're looking up at these Star Destroyers going, holy crap, where did those come from? What the heck are we supposed to do about that? Um, but you also mentioned, you know, trailers being misleading and misdirecting, and we have no idea where they actually are in the movie, but it does look like they're in a, in a ship, and the background outside the cockpit definitely looks like it could be that same planet or that same environment. Um, but one interesting thing I wanted to bring up here, um, you know, of course they had John Boyega and Naomi Aki and a bunch of the other actors from the movie there at the panel. Um, and she was talking about Jana and her character and how cool she is and stuff. But then I watched a couple of like the, uh, the interview clips, you know, when the press gets to like go interview them backstage after the panel and stuff. Um, and John Boyega was talking about uh, just how much he enjoyed playing Finn in this movie and how for the first two movies, Finn is like struggling to find his place and find out, uh, you know, if he really wants to be where he is and if he, you know, has something that's worth fighting for. And he said, you know, in this movie, he is a lot more focused and, you know, now he finally has decided like for himself that he wants to fight for the resistance and sort of be that hero that everybody else sees him as already. Um, and he talks about like, you know, now that allows him to kind of, uh, explore himself more and like decide like who he is as a person. But he mentioned something about exploring his past and that we might find out more about Finn's history, like who he was supposed to be before he, you know, got conscripted into the first order. And suddenly I thought of something that I hadn't, I don't think I had thought of before, which is what if Janna is Finn's sister and like sister and that you know maybe he (laughs) like once he sort of shed that uh put that past of the first order behind him maybe the first thing he wanted to do is find out where he came from and find his family and found out that he has a sister who's just as cool as he is and also wants to fight the first order and they team up together yeah i could totally see that being a possibility because even naomi aki is kind of you know, when she's asked about her character and there was like, is that she have, is she related to anybody? She kind of plays coy about it. And there was a talk about, Oh, you're going to be Lando's daughter. But now that you're talking about it, I think it does make more sense that she ends up being related to Finn. And that could be a cool arc for Finn to go on. Like you said, 
you know, growing up only knowing one thing, being a first order stormtrooper, not knowing his family, and then like finally realizing what he wants to do with his life and then coming in contact with that family that is lost could be a nice way to wrap up his story. So I think that would be kind of cool. We'll see if it happens, but um, we'll see if well, obviously they're going to have more. They're going to be in several scenes together, seeing the in some screenshots and now in this shot here in the space battle. So mm-hmm. could be why they're you know sticking together a lot, wanting to catch up. Well, I, I think that there's also if you look at the um, what Finn and, and, or what from the celebration panel they they're hinting that she has some tie to somebody mm, and, exactly. and 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 i i think i think it could be lando's daughter just because they 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 specifically mention that they specifically say oh could you be your lady to, you know blah blah, blah. And he's like, <laughs> like they kind of basically yeah. kind of hint at that which again but they also could be hinting at that to try to throw us off the trail yeah which i, I think is i think is probably more likely Really, I think the exact opposite. I think. Well, I, I think, think I just don't think they want to play into fans' expectations that everybody, all the new characters in this trilogy, are going to be like the child of somebody from the original trilogy. No, no, I, and I think that I, I think honestly, I think that's not the, that's not going to be the issue with because I don't think Finn and her are going to be related. I think it's going to be a love interest for Finn. Well, anything. see, I was thinking that too, but then I'm like, even though we haven't seen Rose in any of the trailers so far, anything. like. She's still, I mean, Kelly Marie Tran was there at the panel and she was giving interviews and stuff too. And then, of course, we know that uh, Ray and Finn also have deep feelings for each other, whether they're just friends or not. I mean, we kind of have yet to explore that because, I mean, last time he saw her, really, he was in a coma and she took off to find Luke and then they get reunited at the end of The Last Jedi. Um, So, I mean, I think Finn already has two potential love interests in rose and ray and i'd rather see one of those two explored than be like okay we're just going to ignore those two and introduce some third person um and not that she has to be a romance interest either i mean they could just be friends or allies or something but if there is going to be some sort of special connection between them i think it would be cool if uh if they ended up being related well and, and here's the thing and that very well could happen but i think the reason why i took it as she might be related to lando is because they first of all they really heavily hint at it one and she was kind of being quite like fun and it's just being there it just it felt like it just felt like man they're they're totally kind of you know giving us a little bit of a hint or, or a big hint but the reason they're why it that much they should have just came out and said it right then and well there, but. <laughs> but here's the reason why i think they're not doing it because i think here's the reason why i think she's the reason he's in the movie to begin with if that's the case that's my prediction mm-hmm. because i think she's the one that brings him in Otherwise, there's not really a reason for Lando. To, if he hasn't been in these first two previous films, where is he going to come from? I heard my, my buddies are all dead. I'm going to come <laughs> in and I'm going to take over the Millennium Falcon and I'm going to hang out with all you people. What's up, guys? I mean, well, that's just I not... think that would kind of make more sense, though. Like, no, for... it doesn't make any sense. Well, no, no, no. For Lando to be retired from the whole rebellion general thing, he's back to his business owning or his smuggling or whatever he's doing and has been doing that for the first couple movies and now you know with the resistance reaching the end of their rope like they did in the last jedi and but you know people now being inspired by luke's message of hope and leia and chewie reaching out to like old allies of theirs lando fits that perfectly yeah i i you know here's the thing you know i i just i i feel like if, if that was the case, Lana would have already been back, especially after, you know, even though, yes, you know, Force Awakens takes place 
or the last Jedi takes place literally right after, you know, yeah. <laughs> Force Awakens. That being said, I just feel like in order to get him back into everything, it would make sense for, you know, her, you know, for someone, you know, close to Lando to, to bring him back to that to that point. And again, I, I could be wrong. And I'd be I'm not like saying like I think Jana would or is it Jana or Jana? Is it Jana? Yeah. I always want to call her Jana. Um Jana Jana, whatever. Jana Solo. Yeah. <laughs> Jana, um, you know, I'm not saying if, if she's not Lando's daughter, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Ugh. That's that's not my my issue. I, I just I just think that the way they're he- heavily hinting at there's a connection with somebody. It would make sense and also be a really good way, I think, to bring Lando in and have him have, like, a reason to fight besides, you know, these are my friends or whatever. Like, my daughter's joined this fight, you know, and is is now I have even more reason to join it. But, again, not if, if they end up being related, that'd be cool, too. And, again, it would be an echo of what we have before. So I'm actually, you know, before I was really anti their, the idea of like her weapons and all that stuff. But Jane is uh, like, I'm kind of into like this idea now, like where in all this stuff and, and kind of into the, her weapons now a little bit more too. I was kind of, I'm softening up. So I'm really, I'm hoping there's some really cool stuff with this character. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm ready. And I, and I would be cool with any kind of connection she has. If she doesn't have a connection, it's whatever, but they've already hinted at it. So there's no, some. She's connected to somebody. We just don't know what. But yeah. I'd be down with the one. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely. Next we in- got to see in the next trailer with Jaina. See her energy bow. Yes. I, <laughs> that yeah, sounded cool just from you know, us talking about it until we heard it was confirmed in that cover of the visual guide. And just to see it in action, hopefully be as cool as it sounds. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to see that in action. And I think she's going to be one of those interesting characters. That, like, I'm, I'm excited to learn uh, more about like who she is and where she comes from and see, you know, cause we've seen uh, some of those images and stuff of like, it looks like she comes from some nomadic tribe or something where they're all on those uh, horse like beasts or whatever with their energy bows and stuff. So um, yeah, excited to see that whole side of things as well. Um, but then going on to the next shot. Oh, this is the one everybody's talking about with C creepio. Um, <laughs> Such an I haven't heard that name. one yet. <laughs> Seriously, I heard it today. It's amazing. You probably didn't recognize me because of the red eyes. Oh, ready seeing those memes. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't take long at all. Oh, um, yeah. So we got three PO coming up out of a chair with his eyes glowing red, and I've seen all kinds of speculation on this one about you know him being captured by the First Order and reprogrammed, and you know Kylo Ren mind wiping him and. All this kind of stuff. Um, all I'll say about it is, you remember that poster that leaked a while ago, and we saw three PO mm-hmm. carrying Chewie's bowcaster, and I was like, "That's the dumbest thing ever." If they're gonna have three PO fight, and suddenly I'm kind of okay with it if it's gonna be like he gets his mind wiped, and it, how funny would it be if he got like his programming was replaced with like a KX droid or something like that, like you know, a combat droid's personality and C-3PO's body wielding weapons and stuff. Um, I don't know. It still seems a bit ridiculous, but I'm like, I I don't know. I I think that's a a comedic bit that maybe could work. You know what? That's probably what this whole thing with 3PO is going to be. I think it will tie into him using all those weapons. And you're right. It probably is going to be something that's a little more comedic, but it'll probably work to you, at least in the same vein as what happened to him in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> but mm. um, you're talking about 
like some theories about him getting his mind wiped. Well, uh, I was talking about the trailer with my brother yesterday, and he brought up something that actually could be cool, which is the opposite, where he's something's being done to him, whether it's by the First Order or Palpatine, we don't know. But what if his memory that got wiped during Revenge of the Sith comes back? Whoa. And mm. it just makes him go crazy or whatnot, just doesn't know how to function and program. And I think that would be cool because it just, by, since it's the last one of the Skywalker saga, Quote, it would unquote. be awesome to have someone at the end who knows the entire story to, you know, become the storyteller that he was in Return of the Jedi, tell it to the Ewoks, but more on a grand scale, knowing the entire history of the Skywalker saga and their battle with Palpatine. I think that could be a really fitting way for this movie to handle C-3PO because, you know, I don't know if this was ever confirmed or was this rumored or just me talking with some of my friends and my brothers back way back in the day about the... 12 episode plan for Star Wars. I was going to be a 12 part saga and how the right. last one would end with like C-3PO telling the story to like way in the future or something like that to a class of new Jedi or just young younglings. And like that would be the end scene where it was just C-3PO telling this massive story. And I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if that was ever part of George Lucas's plan, but I don't you think know, that that'll be how this familiar. Ends, but... I think it might have been because I I vaguely remember something too about like it being this long saga that like is really just being told from R two D two and C three PO's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know if that's the way JJ will end this movie on, but if it does, that'd I think be weird. It uh, it'd be. I think it could work though. If done right, I think it could be. It could work really well. Yeah. But even if they don't do it that way, I think it'd be really cool if C-3PO gets his full memory back. Just so someone besides R2, someone who actually speak, you know, six million forms of communication and then tell the story, whatever it needs to be told throughout the course of, you know, C-3PO's life in the galaxy beyond this point. So um, that's when I heard that theory that my brother told me, he's like, man, that's I didn't think about that. But I'd love for that to be the reason why C-3PO, you know, goes a little crazy for a a moment in the movie. But, yeah, it's going to be weird to see him you know we got those red eyes and then seeing him with those weapons and just what he's going to do in this mode and how he gets that way and how he comes out of it so wasn't expecting all the stuff we're getting about c-3po in episode nine definitely wasn't on my radar or speculation going into this movie so everything we're getting about c-3po is very surprising yeah this is um for those who don't know i'm a big c-3po fan that's i'm not trying to be funny i'm being 100 serious I love C-3PO and R2-D2. They're my favorite characters from the saga. Um, and I've always loved them. And I've always, and have you said this, I've said this on before on the other shows um, where they talk about the, uh, the whatever the um, bowcasters, you know, concept art or not even concept art, the poster got leaked out. And, you know, obviously I always wanted to have 3PO do battle. I always wanted him to do something in battle and he's just kind of so useless. And, I think this is kind of a way for them to they're, I think they're uploading a weapons program in him to protect himself because where they're going, they need him to be able to handle himself. That's why he handles the bowcaster and things like that. So there's a lot of interesting things with this. That, I think this is a pure comedy bit. I, if I'm going to predict, I'm going to predict the upload, like a, a weapons thing into his, into his, um, his core or his, his programming. And like, they're talking about what he can do, and he gets the red eyes like exterminate everyone. They're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, <laughs> well, you know, something like that. Like, you know, it's something like where he it, it kicks on, and 
you know, they have to tell him like, no, 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 do, 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 do. You know, and he, he goes, oh, I'm sorry. whatever. So I think that's where the, that's where this is probably headed. I don't think he's possessed. I don't. I just don't. I just don't see it that happening. But we'll see. But yeah, I, I don't. I think this is very interesting. I think this is how they're going to explain how he can handle weapons personally. So I'm really, really fascinated how they do this with him because he's my favorite character. He's actually going to fire things, and I'm I'm very interested in that. Yeah, and like I said, it's the kind of thing that I didn't think I would be very interested in, but for some reason, seeing those red eyes and thinking that oh, it's not just regular, you know, proper fussy C-3PO with a gun. It's like they've done something to his programming to where now he's going to be like in action mode. I'm like, eh, okay, I guess I could see how that could work, you know, played off for laughs. So I'm kind of looking forward to that now. CCPO is going to be the one to take out the Knights of Ren. Watch. (laughs) Please, no. We can't go that far. He takes one out at least. Come on. No, no, no. We can't be having that. If we do. I'll be all about that. uh, Tim, if we do, I'll join you. I'll join you in the corner crying about Ewoks killing stormtroopers. (laughs) We can commiserate. plenty of room. (laughs) What if if they they establish that one Knight of Ren is really crappy, but yet, um, but yet, like, he takes out the one that's, like, the most crappy? Uh, I mean, these are former Jedi we're talking about. We don't know that. Supposedly. Hey, I hope you're right. With this sequel trilogy, anything's possible. Anything is possible. Um, but then going on to the next shot, we've got what looks like some kind of new super weapon laser uh, hitting a planet. It kind of looks like the same type of energy beam from like Starkiller Base, but smaller and more focused. Like it's. In fact, it's almost hard to tell if this is, like, actually a weapon or if they're, like, drilling into the core of the planet. Um, but it does kind of have that that weapon vibe to it just because, again, it's Star Wars and it's a giant laser thing coming down from space. Like, it looks like – I don't know if it's going to be some new type of super weapon or if it's going to be, like, those First Order cruisers in the last movie that have, you know, the giant, uh, like, planetary bombardment cannons on the bottom. Um Something like that, but it looks like this is on that same like snow covered mountain planet uh, that we saw in the first trailer where that ship is going to that looks like the one that Ray's parents took mm-hmm. off in. Um, so I think there's definitely going to be some interesting stuff going on in uh, or on that planet because we see another interesting shot of it uh, that we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But um, yeah, on the one hand, I'm not super into the whole like oh it's the third movie so we gotta have another super weapon like the death star 2 um they better not do that (laughs) but but i mean just from the look of this it at least it doesn't look like it's instantly destroying the planet so whatever this is it's not like star killer base 2.0 they're not trying to just do another bigger better thing so that's why i'm like okay at least whatever this is is probably something different um, and like I said, it could be a weapon that's trying to cause damage or it could be that they're trying to drill into the planet's core to look for either some resource or maybe an ancient artifact or Sith temple or something. I don't know. Um, a Sith temple's under here somewhere. Get a big laser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, Who needs uh, the force to guide us to the Yeah. <laughs> so there's just not – I will say that's just kind of like kind of scratching my head. I don't think we're going to get a super weapon. I, I just don't think so. I think personally, I think what this movie is going to be around is that there's and, and it, obviously obviously to be a, a powerful weapon, they're digging or, or doing something. You're right. 
I think that's what's going to be. But I, I think the plot of this movie is literally going to be there's a, there's they have to go on an adventure, which they've already kind of established that they have to go out, find something. And when they find something, it reveals what obviously it pretty much tells them what's going on with with Palpatine. And that's where you're going to get the conclusions, in my opinion. So. You know, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting how how this works. So but yeah, uh, as far as a big laser beam, it I don't think it's going to be a, uh, you know, it's, uh, you said that thing before, too. Um, it looks like, well, actually, I can't tell. Is it water or is it it look is it it might be rock or it might be water. Mm, I think it's the ground. Is it? Because if that if it is, yeah, it's, it looks like it's destroying mountains. Oh yeah, yeah I mountains. mean, there's definitely but, mountains in the foreground. It's hard to tell exactly where the laser is hitting, but yeah, it looks like it's hitting something solid. Right. Well, in, in that case, you're right, and, and I think you even said yourself that there's, I think it might be the planet that that Ray's looking ship is in the first trailer. It might. It looks like the same kind of planet for that. So, you know, who knows at this point? Yeah. So. uh you know, Ray possibly is looking for her parents there. Maybe the Empire slash First Order is also hitting lasers on here. Um, this is also, at least from that Vanity Fair article with the the screenshots, this was the planet that it looked like Zori Bliss was on as well. Um, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we don't see any of her in this trailer. But one other thing that they, that they hinted at. I'm still waiting at, to see her in action. Yeah, me too. But one other th- interesting thing that they did hint at uh, or briefly mentioned during the panel was that uh they talked about that you know she's a smuggler she's a rogue um which makes me think that okay maybe she is just a human wearing a helmet and that she's not like uh you know a lobot assassin or something with you know because that helmet does kind of look like she could have like a computer or some cybernetics in there or something like that um but at least from what they described it sounds like she might just be like a normal person and then also uh, they said she has a history with Poe and kind of hinted that it might be a romantic history that, you know, there's kind of a past between the two of them. Um, so that'll make for a fun dynamic. I think that, uh, you know, we'll get to see play out and it'll be fun to learn more about her history and, uh, see, um, you know, kind of how her and Poe's relationship plays out. And that also sounds like it's maybe a pretty solid debunking of yet another, ooh, middle-aged female character. That must be Ray's mom. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was guilty She's of that. She's not middle-aged. She's almost 40-something. Like That's not middle-aged. That's middle-aged. No, <laughs> middle-aged is 50, bud. What? Isn't it? I could have sworn. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I always assumed that was like 40s and 50s. It's it's definitely 50s. I don't know. It, 40, 40s <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we can split the difference mid forties. She's not there yet. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, gotta I just, think that way because we're getting closer and closer. To yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm so, you're, you're just in denial. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, she's old enough that she could be Ray's mom, but it doesn't look like she is. Uh, she'd have to. Be, yeah, technically, yes, you are correct. But I still like that when we're talking about that Vanity Fair article when we got you know her first revealed. I still like that idea of. You mentioned, uh, see, now I'm blanking if it was you, Kyle, or you, Paul, about maybe she's not Ray's mother, but she knows about her past or knows who her parents are and something like that. And she has that information for them. And kind of me, I'm not, you know, marrying myself to that idea that that's what her main role is going to be in the movie, but it still could be a possibility. I think something cool for her and or her role to play in the film, if that's what they go with. But um, I just want to see her in the trailer. <laughs> so that, yeah. Her costume is just so cool. I just want to see it in motion and in action. So hopefully in the next one. 
Yeah, well, I just wanted to briefly mention that while we were on the shot of that planet. Uh, but the next shot that we've got is Ray, and it looks like she's in a forest by herself. Um, and I'm guessing this is f- going to be maybe the first thing we see in the movie, or at least from very early on in it, because it looks like she's just I by agree. herself and uh, doing some Jedi training. She's got her lightsaber out. Uh, she throws it, you know, cuts through a tree and then calls it back to her hand coming from the other direction. Um, and actually, if you pause it, this is actually something I just noticed because I just had to pause it on the yeah. shot to talk about it. There's a training remote hovering next to one of the trees. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So she definitely is uh, just honing her Jedi skills here. Um, and I think it's going to be cool to see how far she's progressed since The Last Jedi. Um, and I wonder if she's also, you know, reading some of those uh, sacred Jedi texts that she took from Octo. Or see if she's, you know, communicating with Luke or Yoda or any Force spirits or whatever. Um, and I think it's just going to be cool to see how much she's progressed as a Jedi since the last time we saw her. Yeah, this is a really cool moment in the trailer. I mean, it's one, not one of the big ones, but it's the one that always makes me smile a lot. Because this scene, like you said, just her training more in the ways of the Jedi and lightsaber combat. And just the way she throws the lightsaber. Just seeing the lightsaber move like that. We really haven't seen it lightsaber be thrown you know in that movement in a movie before i think the closest is how darth vader throws it at luke in return of the jedi during their fight when he's on that platform but that's almost like straight up video game stuff where mm-hmm. we almost every star wars game where you're a jedi and you have a lightsaber that's a basic move where you just throw your lightsaber that way and it comes back to you mowing down enemies and just visually seeing it in an actual star wars movie in live action it just looks really really cool so just a nice small cool moment that you know just brought a smile to my face once seeing a, a lightsaber move like that and just ray continuing her training and just hopefully more we're going to see her skill in her upcoming lightsaber duels that we know she's going to have in this movie and she has that upper arsenal to use if she wants to so just and a this, lot of cool stuff and this obviously looks to me it looks like endor and it I, really does <laughs> really i mean yeah i mean in my opinion it does um and you're you're saying it doesn't, Kyle? Well, no, you know what? I just hadn't considered that before, but looking at it, I'm like I can see that. Right. I can definitely see that. The only my only hang up with that is that I feel like the trees on Endor were like a little thicker. But I mean, this could totally just be like a, you know, one maybe slightly more lightly wooded area of it. Um it looks like the redwoods to me. I mean, honestly, yeah, no, it, years, it, it so. definitely could. I'm just I'm thinking of shots in, you know, Return of the Jedi where, you know, the Ewoks have their houses up in those big, huge, thick trees. But um, no, even with like the ferns and the, the other plants and stuff around, like it definitely does look like it could be Endor. Um, and the, but let's be real. I mean, JJ has, hasn't exactly been like, oh, no, it's just, you know, this new same planet. No, it's exactly like the other planet, but it's different. Yeah, you know. So I mean, let's be real. I mean, what, I, would it would it shock me if it wasn't? No. Or, but here's the thing: the reason why I think it might be is, and we don't know if they're training either. We don't know what if that ball is a security ball, you know? And because I, oh I, come on, that's a training remote. It, it probably is, but I I could see that being a like you know a security spy droid or something. Yeah, that effect that she has to destroy. Yeah, I mean, like she's she's not like she doesn't look like she's you know have like training like it's not a training phase. She looks really aggravated, and 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 in the grand issue, maybe she's thinking about what's going on and she's upset. And that thing that's a you know valid possibility. But 
to be honest, I could see her also being like trying to protect herself. Like what the heck is going on here? Kind of a thing. And so, and because of, because of what, you know, the story and we know that Endor could possibly play a part with a Death Star wreckage on there. I think this only adds credence to the fact that this is probably Endor because again, or it's the distant mood or it's, the more forest mood of Endor or it's Endor itself, one of the two, you know, because they wanted to get a technicality, but obviously there's pro it's probably Endor because Death Star two wreckage is right above the forest mood of and forest mood of Endor. It's got ferns. I mean, it really has to be a stretch for it to say not to be Endor at this point. And, and again, if it is the same planet, I don't know, but it would seem to me or the, the, the Death Star two is on. I would assume that this is a part of the Death Star Death Star two scene because Ray has a lightsaber on that planet or um, and I, I figure I guess I guess in a year she could have her lightsaber rebuilt. But it seems to me also for some reason I thought she didn't maybe have it right away. But uh, describe that from the record. Um, but that being said, I, I just feel like this is when you look at the scene of them looking at the Death Star two, we know that. It's, you know, there's a tie, there's, there's a fight on that. Ray might be on there for a reason. This is where I think the reveal of Palpatine happens is on this, is on this planet. And I kind of feel like the red herring is, is that fight with, with the, um, on the, on the water is not the, I think that's the middle of the film. That's my first, that's my next guess. I think the end of the film is going to be that, that sand planet, you know, but I think this is going to be the reveal of what exactly is going on. And oh crap, we gotta do something about it because Palpatine is pulling the strings, everything from behind. And I think this is where Ben Solo starts getting really like conflicted because he realizes that he's been manipulated by the Emperor. So there you go. Yeah, possibly. Um, well, speaking of Ben Solo, he's in the very next shot, um, and we see just a cool shot of him walking away from his Tie Fighter, which is parked on the ground on what might also be that same snow planet. Um, but it's also cloudy and there's lightning going on in the background, which makes me think, well, maybe he's in the same place where all those Star Destroyers are, or maybe it's all on that same planet. Um, so wherever they are, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But we see him uh, just walking towards the camera, walking away from his ship and igniting his lightsaber. So obviously, like, he just got here and he already means business. Um, but the best part about this shot though is not even though it's a great looking shot it's like almost everything else in this trailer but this is where we get our first voiceover of palpatine back and just hearing ian mcdermott's voice again in this movie uh just awesome so awesome to hear and he sounds like this might sound weird but his vocal tones and the way he says this bit of dialogue right here where he says your journey it sounds like more serious than Emperor Palpatine Darth Sidious has sounded <laughs> because especially when you think about how it was in Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith and there's just something about the vocal tone the way he says it he sounds great but it just stood out to me as sounding a little different for Palpatine where he's just not you know giddy with excitement like he was in Revenge of the Sith when uh, you know the Sith have returned and he's taken over the galaxy but now he's coming back here he just seems a lot more serious in his tone here of course it all depends on the context of who he's talking to and you know what's you know what other bit of dialogue he's going to be saying and so just all that stuff going into it, i just loved how it sounded in this one shot where you see kylo and he just says your journey and then near its end it just sounded great just more than anything amazing to hear ian mcdermott we heard his laugh in the first trailer but now to actually hear dialogue from him and it's typical darth sidious emperor palpatine dialogue that's just great to hear so yeah that was 
the standout part of the shot with Kyla was mainly hearing Palpatine back. Yeah, I mean, that definitely got me excited, too. But I don't know if I would say that got me the most excited over just seeing my boy Kylo in action again. Um, yes. I mean, I and I love all of it. Like, I, I can't wait to see what Palpatine is up to and how he comes back and what his role in this movie is. And then also, I'm just really excited to see... Uh, I mean, just to see Kylo in action. I love that lightsaber and just pretty much everything yeah. about his character, but I'm really interested to see where they decide to take his story arc um, and what's in store for him, you know, character-wise in this movie. Um, but then that leads right into the next shot where we see him approaching Rey on this, you know, it's definitely wreckage of the Death Star. I mean, we've got the it's crashing... Be, yeah, 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 we've got the <laughs> crashing waves in the background, but also if you look off to the left, there's uh, what basically looks like the one of the turbo laser towers from the Death Star Trench. Yeah, you're right. Um, so they're like on the surface of the Death Star wreckage going at it in a lightsaber duel. This looks awesome. I think this is going to be oh, one of the coolest, <laughs> just like one of the coolest lightsaber duels we've ever had just on a visual level. But also I remember reading an interview uh, a couple months back with Daisy Ridley where she was talking about just some improvements that they had made to the lightsabers to make them kind of lighter and more durable. And so that they're going to be able to have like a uh, faster and more intense, uh, for lack of a better term, um, <laughs> you know, just a really, really great and intense fight scene here. Um, but I also agree with you, Paul. I definitely don't think that this is the climax of the movie. Now, I might disagree a little bit because I don't necessarily think that the climax is going to take place on Pasana on the desert planet. I still think because if they're fighting on the Death Star wreckage and Palpatine is coming back, you would think that like somehow Palpatine and the Death Star, like it's all coming to a head. Um, so whatever planet they're on, unless that Death Star wreckage is like on the other side of Pasana and we're going to get a planet that's like half desert and half water. I still think that this is where the climax of the movie is going to take place. Um, I don't think that this lightsaber duel is like early on in the movie or something. I think this is going to be towards the end, but I don't think that like Ray's going to kill Kylo and that's going to be the end of the movie. I think something's going to happen to end this fight and then lead into a confrontation with Palpatine. Um, and I have no idea where they're going with it. And it's just, I cannot wait to find out. Like, this is the kind of thing where I normally would have like wild theories and speculations and stuff, but I'm just, I hope they don't show too much in the next trailer. And I hope that no like big spoilers leak or anything like that. Because as of right now, like I've seen enough to get me really excited for this movie and have some theories and speculate about some stuff. But at the same time, I feel like I really have no idea how this is going to go. And I can't wait to be sitting there opening night and find out how this all goes down. Yeah, man, this shot, this probably is my favorite shot of this you know, new trailer we got at D23. Just visually, it just looks stunning. And I just love the movements that both... Kylo Ren and Rey have during this duel. It's a free few shots, but from what you were saying, how you know they were able to do different things in their lightsaber fights this time, I think it's on display right here in this, these quick little shots we got because this looks really intense and in how they're going at it. And then you put that in with the awesome visuals of just being surrounded by this water on the wreckage of the Death Star. I mean, doesn't get more epic than that. And I just love how it's kind of the reverse uh, Mustafar duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan where mm -hmm. instead of lava 
you got water, but it still makes for a dramatic or dramatic set piece to have what's probably going to be their final duel against each other. Because like you said, Kyle, we know this probably isn't going to be the last fight. We don't know what happens, but they're going to be involved in something else down the line, whether they're teaming up against Palpatine or, you know, they're going to be on opposite sides of the force <laughs> as far as light and dark goes. That's what we'll get into very soon. But I'm kind of in agreement or see, again, this is all the speculation that keeps going back and forth here, but um, it goes into a theory I'll have later on about how maybe this could be as something that's in the middle of the movie and more, more so than it being the first step of the end battle that we get. So I might be more of agreement with you, Paul, that, they could be doing some misdirection here where this is setting up to be the climactic lightsaber battle of the film because it definitely looks that way. But I think they're going to be subverting some expectations with this duel. And oh, there is a again. way I think it could be something that's, you know, probably early on than maybe we're expecting it to be. I Yeah, this movie is... This trilogy has just been really interesting. And though I think I, I like everything that I've seen out of this, honestly, there hasn't really been anything... Besides the fact they focus on that, the teaser itself of just Ray waiting for that, you know, whole shot was kind of obnoxious a little bit. Uh, that being said, there's not really any, that, I still like everything I saw that I just didn't want it for a, a teaser. Uh, that being still said, attention. <laughs> no, yeah, right. No, I get it. And the thing is, I, I like everything where I'm seeing from this. But yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I I just feel like there's there's a there's going to be a lot of misdirection. They kind of established that a little bit in the last Jedi trailer, kind of using different scenes to like cut around and be like you know give it you know again like this again we're going to talk about the next scene i i just feel like there's 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 they have to end the saga and i just don't feel you end the saga on a battle like that and i feel especially with the fact that palpatine's the, the main villain and you know kylo ren is is obviously being manipulated somewhere behind the scenes it's, it's very very evident and you know, he's being toyed by Snoke. We all know now there's something probably more, especially with, with Darth Vader's helmet that we know. Again, D23 also had that scene where he pulls the helmet out of the, the case, right. you know, and, he, and he's ta- and he's kind of, you know, looking at it. You know, I I remember the, there were rumors about Darth Vader talking to Kylo Ren, you know, or uh, Kylo Ren talking to Darth Vader's helmet and it talks to him. And, and you know, what exa- exactly does that mean? There was that whole kind of uh, storyline or kind of idea from the, the early stages of The Force Awakens, and maybe this is what it is. Maybe it's Palpatine. Again, what I've said before, in the in a spirit form, is and, and I, there's people out there who are like, oh, if it's Palpatine, it's just a spirit, you know, haunting objects. It's, no, I'm not going to like that. I saw a, a podcast say that today, and that was really funny because I'm like, well, you may get disappointed because I think that's what's going to happen. I, I don't think Palpatine is going to be back in the flesh at all. I feel it's going to be his spirit. Possess- Again, he's going to have a tie to that helmet and he's going to be talking to, to Kylo Ren. That's why Kylo Ren talks to him in the first place. That's what we're, you know, when we watch this next movie, that's what we're going to see. In in the when we rewatch the Force Awakens, we're gonna be like, holy crap, that's really the Emperor that he's talking to. That he's mm. you know, he thinks that he, it's his grandfather, but no, it's the Emperor. And it's right he, up Palpatine's alley for him to do something like exactly. that. Exactly. Well, here's the thing, though, it, it is kind of up his alley, but I think that kind of subverts your own theory, though, Paul, because then if if this really is just if the main villain of this film is Kylo who's being somehow possessed or manipulated by Palpatine. Manipulated. Not possessed. Yeah. Then 
that lightsaber fight would be it because then if Ray defeats Kylo, then what's left? Like, I don't think she, here's what I, here's what I think though. I don't think they're going to defeat each other. I think they're going to stop. I think he's going to, there's going to, something's going to happen where he's going to stop and there, he's going to let her go and he's going to be conflicted. And that's why I think Pasana, the scene we see with them, uh, fighting uh or the scene with, with on the sand again i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm totally off to be honest but oh i think that's gonna come first and i think maybe maybe really? Ky- no, maybe kylo's not. gonna be just hunting ray this entire movie maybe that's just all he's bent well, on and the reason the reason i say that though is because i think what's gonna happen is they're gonna team up on that planet and he's gonna end up helping them defeat the knights of ren on that planet and it's gonna and there's gonna be the big altercation with with him and everyone on that planet for whatever reason that planet ha- will have significance and and whatever so that's what i kind of think that's why i think that ray he does not trying to shoot at ray he's just flying and he, maybe he's trying to give warning signs or whatever that's what i think and you know so yeah that i don't i don't i think on that on that death star 2 fight they they let each other win and then they end up having to team up against um, Palpatine on this planet for whatever reason that might be. But again, hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. But yeah. for some reason, I think I'm closer than I than I like to admit. But I hope I'm wrong. I mean, and I just, don't know because they also could do something where maybe they team up earlier in the movie and you think Kylo's going to go good, but then Palpatine manipulates him in some way and does get him to turn against Rey and then they really do, you know, they are going at it there at the end. I just think... Like, if you're going to have Palpatine come back and you're going to have them revisit the wreckage of the Death Star, like, that just feels like like, like a climactic setting to me. I don't, I just don't see them having a, a you know, Ray versus Kylo Ren having a lightsaber duel on the Death Star wreckage, like, halfway through the movie and then be like, oh, there's a bunch more to the story. I don't think it's going to be the very end of the story. Because, like I said, I think they're going to have to deal with Palpatine afterwards, and I think maybe he will somehow come back in the flesh, or at least as some sort of presence or spirit, or maybe he never died to begin with. I don't know. Um, I I really have no idea how they're going to do this, but I don't think it's just going to be him whispering in Kylo's ear. I think they are going to actually have to have some sort of confrontation with him. And going back to Vader's helmet real quick, and because th- that footage they showed on the first day of D23, you know, there was a crappy bootleg quality version out there. I think most of them got taken down. We may still be able to find it. But, you know, what stood out to me in that shot of the reveal of Kylo still has Vader's helmet was that it looked like there was this blue energy or blue smoke surrounding it. Because hmm. it looked like it was in a container and the container was opening up to reveal the helmet. So I don't know if that energy or smoke was because it was in the held in that container and it was being opened and that smoke came out, but it looked very similar to, you know, the blue energy that came out when Vader threw Palpatine down the Death Star energy shaft that came up and, you know, maybe possibly infected his helmet, which could be Palpatine's way to get in there. Like go into what you were saying, Paul, that Palpatine is actually, you know, in that helmet and that's him communicating with Kylo and Kylo communicating with him. So there are little threads where, that could be a possibility. Again, it was not the best quality, so I couldn't know for sure, but I got that exact same feeling of seeing that coloring of the smoke surrounding Vader's helmet in that one shot, very looking very similar to what we saw in Return of the Jedi. I like that. Ma- See, and, that, and that'd be stuff that I would love to have, you know, again, when you watch, if you rewatch the movies, you're like, oh, here's the, like, for instance, hear me out. I, I One thing the sequel trilogy might make, make it a little bit cool is the fact that, you know, when Luke loses the lightsaber, 
in Empire Strikes Back, we know it comes back to Rey. So you know it comes back later on in the saga. That's kind of cool to think about, right? Like, okay, the Skywalker Saber, the, the Skywalker Saber comes back. Um, what's to say your, your theory is right, which I think would be really cool. When when Vader kills the Emperor and you see the the, the lightning on his helmet when he when the Emperor goes down, you know that's the Emperor still alive right there. That's cool. Again, mm-hmm. go back to Force Awakens when when Darth when uh you see Kylo Ren talking to the helmet, you know he's talking to the to basically the Emperor. I mean that if you as you watch this nine part saga and you see that, that's cool. Yeah, that is a, those are the connected threads that, you like exactly. to see. Exactly. So I hope you're right, actually. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the only thing I will say about that, I think it would be cool if maybe Palpatine was tricking Kylo and somehow talking to him like as Vader. Um, because, you know, we know when he, when Kylo's talking to that helmet in The Force Awakens and he says, like, show me, grandfather, like, I will finish what you started. So I don't think like if he's talking to Palpatine, I don't think he knows that he's talking to Palpatine. Um, yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, how crazy and kind of creepy, too, it would be where. What if, you know, Kylo's talking to the Vader helmet and they get James Earl Jones back to where he thinks, you know, Vader's talking back to him and you hear that voice and it slowly turns into Palpatine's, Ian McDermott's Palpatine voice. Yeah. And then that's the reveal that Palpatine's back. Or (laughs) even if we saw like Hayden Christensen as a force ghost of Anakin, but then found out it was really like somehow an illusion created by Palpatine and he kind of morphed into him. Well, see, I... I mean, we all know, I think we all agree how we're really hoping Hayden's back in this movie as a force goes. I think that could be the role he would play in this where, you know, where Kylo thinks he's been talking to his grandfather, has this connection with Vader. Anakin can come back as, you know, the force goes and just saying, you know, I you really weren't talking to me at all, but I'm here for you now yeah. type of thing. See, I would love to see that, but then I would just be like, yo, where were you two movies ago when he killed Han Solo? <laughs> Well, you know, they can't intervene with, you know, as Obi-Wan says, as he told Luke in Empire, he's not going to be able to intervene in the battle that he does. So, yeah, I don't know. But, man. Uh, See, this is the stuff I love, though. Like, there's so many different like we know what's going to happen, but we don't know how it's going to happen. And we don't know exactly how it's going to happen. And we don't know what it's going to lead to. And like, I love being able to speculate and have theories and talk about all this fun stuff, but still be completely surprised when the movie comes out. Yeah. And that's why I said, like, I, hope, I, I hope so. Yeah, and that's why I said I really, like, as much as I can't wait for the next trailer already and to see more of this, I really hope it doesn't give too much away. Um, But there's only one more shot that we got to talk about. Um, That'd be too big, though. (laughs) And and you want to talk about misdirection. Um, I mean, come on. This was a really cool one. I will say this one for me didn't have quite as big of an impact because I wish that they had just released this footage on Saturday as soon as they showed it at D23. Because yeah. they didn't release it until two days later, and I had spent all weekend reading descriptions of it and people's reactions to it that were there and all that kind of stuff. So we already knew what to expect from this shot where we see Ray in a dark hood looking all evil and creepy, and she ignites a red lightsaber with two blades, and then it zooms out, and we see that she's got, like, two lightsaber handles, and then it folds out into one double-bladed saber, Um with and one thing that's interesting to note here is this the saber has like the same style of blade as Kylo Ren's like it's got kind of that jagged edge to it um but uh yeah so of course everybody's freaking out going oh my gosh is Ray gonna turn dark side blah, blah, blah. I don't think so I think of all the stuff we've seen in this this is the one that I think this is gonna be in the movie but it's like 
it's a Dagobah cave sequence, essentially, or maybe some kind of vision or illusion that Palpatine is trying to tempt her with um, or something like that. But I definitely don't think, well, let me put it this way. I wouldn't necessarily rule out Ray going to the dark side, although I don't think that that's going to happen either. But I don't think that this shot is definitive proof that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, <laughs> what a shock to get on Saturday. And I totally agree with you, Kyle. It would have been so much better if they just released it because while I was pretty shocked and just said, like, what? When I read, like, tweets about people describing what they just saw, like, I got to see this now. Like, where's the bootleg? Someone has to. Mm-hmm. And you have probably had the best tweet, Kyle, <laughs> about Hondo being uh, be a pirate Jedi. Exactly. <laughs> but no one came through, unfortunately. Um, I was. I think I read that they didn't allow phones for that panel for D23. I well, guess we yeah, why, except but... everybody was tweeting along with it. So, I mean... Maybe it was their laptops, maybe. It, maybe, yeah, <laughs> laptops or iPads or something. I don't know. Yeah, but man, this... What an unexpected surprise to get, though. I mean, and I will say, I going into it right now, I'm leaning towards this probably is going to be a forced vision of some kind where there is something similar to the Dagobah cave that Ray has to experience and go through or Palpatine's like showing her a potential future for her. But I really hope it's more than that. (laughs) And it's see, I'm kind of torn on this because the fact that they put this shot of Ray looks like she's on the dark side with a double bladed red lightsaber. It just makes you think that they're putting it in there because they know it's only a vision and that, you know, it's not something so integral and surprising for the movie that, you know, they're allowing it to be released already um, rather than you experience it when you see the Rite of Skywalker for the first time. But at the same time, I think, is that really like the genius of them, though, where they know people are going to be expecting that to be the case? And it is something more <laughs> than just a vision and something substantial for Ray's growth as a character and to where her journey is going to take her, where they're allowing to show that this is a step of her journey, but... They're not going to reveal the how, the why, and what happens after that. I mean, it would be pretty surprising for JJ and company to reveal something that big that will be or play a big factor in Ray's character arc in this movie. But I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth on that because it could be something where, you know, they're just playing, just wanting to surprise people, knowing that it's just a vision, but yet it could be so much more. And they're counting on people just to think that it's something small and just a forced vision. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what exactly it is. And this is where I'm going to go into a crazy theory I have, which I will say I'm not, you know, expecting this to happen whatsoever. I think it just could be something kind of cool and a potential route for them to go if it is something more than just a vision. But going back to what we were saying, that lightsaber battle between Kylo and Rey on the Death Star 2 wreckage, where how that could be something that's just in the middle of the movie and some causes their fight to stop and they don't, you know, Ray doesn't finish off Kylo or Kylo allows her to escape. But what if the reason that fight ends is because it has to do with Ray going to the dark side, maybe not instantly, but Palpatine, you know, that's the thing. We don't know if Palpatine could be possessing her here or using her as, you know, yeah, possessing, using her as a vessel or she corrupts or he corrupts her just like he does Anakin, but it takes time to fully convert her to the dark side. And that's where I think it goes something pretty crazy where what if there's a big time gap in the movie and, you know, maybe similar to something like Avengers Endgame where that subverted expectations where it started off right away, but then it jumps five years. Hmm. What if 
they do something similar where, you know, they jump a few years and Ray is fully into the dark side. She's Palpatine's next apprentice and they gathered, they built up their fleet and their army. And that's where we see all those massive Star Destroyers <laughs> that, that we got would in the trailer. Be crazy. And I think it would be cool because, you know, we get a time jump and then you got all this, depending on how long it is, let's say it's just five years, like Endgame. They got all this new area and gaps they could fill in with supplementary material, whether it's, you know, a new Disney Plus series or a comic series that shows Ray training in the dark side and what she was doing for her and Palpatine beginning their conquest of the galaxy. And at the same time, I think this can go into if, I, it's a big if, if Kylo gets redeemed in this movie, maybe this is going to be his redemption arc where he brings Ray back to the light side or he sacrifices himself uh, to save Ray and she ends up defeating Palpatine at the end. So I just think there's a, some interesting stuff they can do if they decide to go that route. But I'm not expecting it. I think it'd be pretty big if they do that in a Star Wars movie where they do this big time gap. But at the same time, it's something where they can go full on in of Rey going to the dark side, but yet not have it be the full movie. And by the end of it, she can turn back into the hero and fulfill her destiny as, as far as I think anyway, being the one to, you know, defeat Palpatine and, or Kylo again later on. We don't know, but I think it could serve for both characters. Have Rey, if Kylo gets a redemptive arc, that could serve its purpose there. And then Rey being the one to defeat the ultimate evil in the galaxy. But yet it wouldn't feel forced or rushed. We know she had time to spend with Palpatine become and become a dark side user. And then she gets brought back by the end, still completing that hero's journey or being the hero that everyone expects her to be. Because I definitely don't think, you know, the movie's going to end with her going bad and they have to take her out where she becomes the main threat. I don't think they're going to do that with Rey in this movie. I don't think that's the right decision to do either because I think she should complete that hero's journey, but of course have a few bumps in the road as she goes along that, you know, journey to become the hero. So I don't know, just an interesting theory. I couldn't help but think of as I was trying to piece together what this shot means for Ray and her connections with Palpatine and it being, looks like being more with the dark side here. And I just really hope it is something more than a simple vision, but that's going into it. That's what I'm expecting because um, it this seems something pretty big to put in a teaser or not even a teaser trailer, but a bonus trailer, I should say. And they reveal something this big and it could be some not being a big major point in the movie if they're doing that. So, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they're going to do and what this scene means for Ray as a character. But besides all that, those theories, we've been saying it for so long how we wanted to see Ray use a double bladed lightsaber. And we're getting that. That's another thing where hopefully it's more than just a vision of she sees herself with a Sith lightsaber, but she has to use that thing, man. I want to see her use a double-bladed lightsaber in action. So hopefully, again, it's not just a short tease where she just sees herself standing in that pose and then she gets scared and she comes out of the vision. But got to see her wield that double-bladed lightsaber. <laughs> it would be awesome to see that. So, yeah, lots to unpack with this quick shot, but definitely unexpected and it just makes me anticipate the movie even more so if that was even possible. That's what I love about these trailers. They just throw in something that you're not expecting and it just gets you so excited and pumped to what uh, to what we could expect to see in this movie and just to speculate on as we get closer and closer. Just tons of fun. I just love it when we get stuff like this in these Star Wars trailers. So cool. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> like I said, lots to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, here's the thing. Here, and I, 
it's not even a problem. It, the thing with this whole situation with with Ray and what they what they inter, what they do with this, it's a red herring. I, I just there's no way a way around it. Um, I hope it does hint at her using a double bladed lightsaber at the at one point in this movie. Um, we don't see it, and hopefully, it's one of those things they're saving for the end of the movie because, like a la like a Captain America holding uh, Molnir and yeah. using that, like something mm-hmm. like that. Even though, again, I don't want it to just be Endgame Redux, and I, I don't think sure. so. Obviously, this is not going to be that. Since they haven't really shown us that, no, I think that would have been a cool idea to already have her have her own identity and as a with a lightsaber with that would have been really cool. I mean, whatever at this point, but it could be hinting at that too. Uh, that maybe she does make that. Maybe she has to do that at the very end of uh, Last Jedi. She creates it, and, and again, it's her kind of stepping up to be her own Jedi, if you will. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This whole I I went on record saying this this scene is really odd. It looks odd. It doesn't look like a real scene, meaning it doesn't look like a movie like they got. It feels like they they literally put Ray in this really weird like they almost like they photoshopped her face into something, even though like she's, it's obviously uh, her body. She you know, same body structure. It doesn't seem like her. It seems fake. It seems weird. And, and again, it's not. And again, if it was actually, if it doesn't feel like Daisy Ridley put on a co- different costume and has a double, 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 double bladed lightsaber, it feels like someone. Again, it feels like somebody else's, and they just plastered her face over. It's really weird because it just looks odd, and that's why I, I. That's the only reason why I, I tend to, I automatically think it's a vision because it just doesn't look quite right. It's kind of like the, the mirror scene, right in the. Um, in the movie, uh, Last Jedi, like if you walk, look at that scene, this everything's a little off, right? Like the movie, I mean, visually looks beautiful and has like you know the 4K comes alive. When she goes down in the cave, it's an obvious, it's an obvious visual difference from the rest of the film, right? Like not just, mm-hmm. it looks surreal, and that's exactly what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. It looks surreal, and that's mm-hmm. why I think it is that cave kind of. All, something like that is, you know, they're saying, you know, they're going to, it's basically the force telling Ray, this could be your future. If you turn to the dark side, this is what you will become. And, um, I, I just, I just, I refuse to believe that there's, it's anything different, to be honest. I know that's a little bit of disappointment, maybe for some people. Well, that's probably the smart way to go into it. That's why I'm kind of still believing that that is going to be the case. So I don't get set up for disappointment. With right. The, you know, well, and, theory, but like I, I just said, I also think it might even be, I mean, Paul, you said, you think it's the force showing her, you know, kind of a cautionary thing. Like this is what you could become. I think it's also maybe Palpatine giving her a vision, like trying to tempt her with power or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or heck, you know what? Maybe even Kylo's the one having the vision. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. And I've heard all kinds of other theories, like maybe Ray is possessed by Palpatine or even, I mean, because we don't know her origin and where we came from, like maybe she has a twin or this is a clone or something like that. Um, all kinds of stuff. But again, I, like I think obviously they put this in here for a reason and this is not going to turn out to be nothing, but it's kind of like the scene right. in, in the trailer for The Last Jedi where Ray says, I need someone to show me my place and all this. And then it cuts to Kylo holding his hand. Yeah. And everybody goes, oh, my gosh, she's going to join with Kylo Ren in this movie. Well, obviously, that's not exactly what happened. Like, she didn't turn to the dark side and just side with Kylo. But that was a choice that was 
brought before her in the movie that, you know, that was part of the story and they did team up and they were connected. Um, and you know, there was sort of that possibility of that happening, but then obviously she didn't go to the dark side. Um, she, you know, chose to turn against him and see, this is the thing too. I, for me at least, like there's nothing that we've seen in the first two movies so far that suggests that Ray would go to the dark side. Like she just doesn't have those dark tendencies. And maybe that's going to be part of the movie is showing that, you know, well, everybody has a dark side to them or nobody's perfect or whatever. Um, but I don't think that we're going to get Ray going to the dark side in this movie. But I do think that again, maybe she'll struggle with some dark tendencies or maybe she'll be tempted with that power or, um, it'll just be, you know, presented as a possibility. And that's why they're showing us that in the trailer. But I also think that this particular shot is definitely like some kind of vision or something. And like you said, Paul, it seems not only does it seem a little off, it just seems like too perfectly dark side, like the cool, like shiny hilt, double bladed lightsaber, even her outfit. I'm like, I would hope that if Ray did go dark side, that her outfit would be a little more creative than that, because it's just like, it looks like a, a dark side Halloween costume. It's like plain, simple black robes, black hood, black cape with the red lightsaber. And even her skin looks kind of like a little bit like sunken and, you know, her collarbones are sticking out like, you know, she, she's got that, like she, to put it this way, she looks like she's been on the dark side for a while. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It almost looks like, like if you play like Knights of the Old Republic or something, when you go dark side and you get a lot of dark side points. And if you remember how, like it kind of corrupts your face. And after you do a bunch of evil stuff in the game and like kill a bunch of people and use a bunch of dark side force powers, your skin gets kind of like pale and you get like dark around the eyes. And then eventually you get like the yellow Sith eyes. Like that's kind of what this looks like. It looks like Ray has been evil for a while. So I don't think that this is an actual change for her character that we're going to see in this movie. I think this is going to be just some kind of force vision or something showing like a possible future. It could be cool too, where if, even if it is just a vision or a trial that Ray has to face. And I was saying how we got to see her use that double blade of lightsaber in action, or maybe she, that action sequence is her fighting herself in this vision, like trying to, whether it is something that Palpatine is using to get to Ray, but she has to, over to overcome it she has to defeat it in a lightsaber battle like of the mind and of the force that could be pretty cool to see visually in a star wars film it's like the hero fighting her dark self in order to overcome it and makes for a pretty cool lightsaber battle (laughs) with her the double bladed lightsaber so that could be another avenue that maybe they can go as far as having it be more than just a simple showing of your future but having to be something that ray has to overcome in that moment wait a minute Oh, I'm really. I finish your thought. I said I had I had to follow up something really fast. Finish. I apologize. No, that's pretty much it. Just you know, having to overcome that through you know a lightsaber battle within her mind and within the force mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, that now, would be cool to Sam, see. Sam, I'm not sure if you just said this. I might have missed it. I apologize. So just call me out if I'm just treading on your what you've already said. Okay. What if this? What if she has this vision, right? Mm. And in that vision, like you know, whatever. Let's assume it's not. Kylo or the Emperor giving us vision, right? And after the vision, they're like, "What'd you see?" Oh, blah blah blah. I saw myself as a dark side, which is not really the point of what I'm trying to say. But what if she's like, "But it gave me an idea," and it's from the vision that she creates the the double bladed lightsaber 
that gives mm. her that idea to do it. Like she's like, I never even thought of that. That'd be like, cool. Like, what are you doing? She's like, in my vision, I saw something that I thought I, I didn't even think about, but now I'm going to use it. And then she, then the reveal is how she, you know, when she goes and takes out the Knights of Ren or whatever, she has a double-bladed lightsaber. Oh, that, that would, would be, be awesome. awesome. Yeah. Especially if, that, especially <laughs> if it is Palpatine that gives her the vision and she kind of turns that against him. Exactly. Like, hey, I'm not going to join you, but thanks for the cool idea. No, exactly. So it. Again, just and I just thought of you know thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, well, definitely can't wait to see how that all plays out. Um, man, we got all that fun speculation and theories and stuff just that from was like literally what like thirty seconds thirty of seconds footage? of footage. Yeah, yeah. And we, yeah, we just did like an hour and a half. We still have the Mandalorian trailer. <laughs> well, I will say this, man, you, you stole my thunder, Paul. I was going to joke and be like, well, that was a fun, long discussion. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the episode. Oh, wait, we got the Mandalorian still. And we have Obi-Wan Kenobi still. <laughs> if only we had a trailer for that already. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's the weekend ever. Um, it already was, but it'd make it even better. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's everything uh, from the Rise of Skywalker D23 sneak peek. Um but, of course, that's the movie stuff. We got a whole bunch of announcements about the D20, or not D23, the Disney Plus uh, streaming service and different series that are going to be coming to that. Uh, starting off, of course, with The Mandalorian, which is also going to be coming later this year on November 12th. Um, and we finally got a first official trailer for that released to everybody. And we didn't have to look at, you know, the bootleg footage from Celebration. Um <laughs> We're not going to go through this one shot by shot like we did for Rise of Skywalker because... Why not? Uh, well, okay, honestly, the, the main reason I'm thinking is because we don't have as much to go off of story-wise for The Mandalorian. Like That's This fair. is, this is just a whole lot of cool visual stuff. Um, you know, we, we could go through shot by shot and it would be like, a uh, ship, a uh, speeder. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> No, just we, you know, there, there's not as much to glean as far as like plot details and what this is going to mean for the story. But there is a lot of cool imagery in here. I mean, there's only one line of dialogue in this trailer, uh, which is from Werner Herzog saying to the Mandalorian, you know, bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Wouldn't you agree? Um, but man, just some really striking imagery in here, starting off, of course, with the shot of what. OK, so we're starting on a desert planet. And, like, please just let this one be Tatooine. I mean, this has to be Tatooine, right? Well, the fact that there's the poster has two sons and there's there's literally a sand crawler in the background. Yeah, I'd say it's Tatooine. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Abrams would call it uh, pas- Getaween. Pasuma. Like, uh, you like, know. This is Getaween. This is not Tatooine. <laughs> this, is, this is a darker version of Tatooine. It's probably better technically because... I created it. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, sorry. I, I actually I don't hate I don't hate JJ. I actually really like JJ. I, I do like the Force Awakens when I when I compare it to the anyway. Um, yeah, I I, I I I'm definitely this is. What's interesting is is Carl Weathers' character is he based out of Tatooine? That's my question. I don't know. Um, it would maybe seem like it just because it kind of seems like this is the planet that we're going to be starting on at least from what i would guess um but i mean immediately setting the tone for this kind of western rugged 
outlaw feel to the series. We start with like outside a building on what we're presuming is Tatooine, and you've got the heads of Imperial stormtroopers on spikes. Like, <laughs> and now granted, all we can tell is that they're just the helmets, but some of these helmets look a little bloody. Like, a lot of cracks in them, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if there are heads inside these helmets or not, but at the very least, like, the stormtroopers didn't just hand these helmets over and be like, oh, yeah, here you go. I have these to decorate the outside of your cantina with. Um, and it's probably more like of a warning to that, you know, the Empire has fallen. We don't want yeah. any type of, like, Imperial remnants here. <laughs> no, exactly. And we know that we're going to be dealing with not just bounty hunters, but that there's sort of a bounty hunters guild. Um, and that, you know, this, and I love the way that John Favreau described it. He said, this takes place after return of the Jedi and after the period where everybody's celebrating that the empire is gone. And it's kind of like, okay, what now? And, you know, the new Republic is, is still starting to just establish itself. You would, you would assume like in the core and on Coruscant and everything. And so these outer reaches of the galaxy, like Tatooine and places in the outer rim are going to be completely lawless. And people are just looking out for themselves um, you know, no government, no control. And, uh, yeah, they clearly are like empire. We don't want you here. Um, and we also know that there are still pockets of, of, uh, you know, imperial military and stuff. I and mean, we know that, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is playing an imperial moth who still kind of has some troops under his command. Um, and whether he's still trying to instill some semblance of order or just kind of keep power for himself, um, you know, there are going to be remnants of the empire that are still at play here, but then, you know, these lawless factions that are just like, yo, you're not in charge anymore. Like, get the heck out of here. We're going to put your troopers heads on spikes. I think that this scene potentially, or th that the, 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 with the helmets on spikes, I personally think that that probably is maybe after the scene uh in the, in the trailer the trailer we got at celebration where he like literally knocks out like a, tr a trooper's like faith plate uh i think those heads are, those are from the troopers that he takes out and leaves it overnight for for like um gus from breaking bad i forgot what i don't know what his character's name is but i just call him gus from breaking bad because i love breaking bad and Gus, uh, who's who's the other one of the bad guys on the show, who says burn them out or whatever uh, in the original trailer. Um, anyway, uh, I kind of feel like that's that that would be like the next scene, like after he takes him out, like it'll fade out after he's like him st standing over the bodies, and it's the next day, like they're walking to see you know what happened, and they they walk and they see those heads on the spikes, letting them know like. Hey, you're not gonna, you know, take. You're not gonna intimidate me, kind of a thing. Uh, just an idea. Either way, it's an awesome, awesome image, and it really does set yeah. the table to show us that this is not necessarily gonna be like Star Wars Resistance. You know, I mean, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to. Oh yeah, on far from Resistance. It. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, gosh, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say for the end of, the, end of the, our this kind of discussion for the trailer. So I'll just, I'll just say this. It's a great indication. I think it's going to be an indication in the story, but it's also a very meta way of telling us this is not what this is not a friendly Star Wars TV series. Yeah, well, and I love um, the way that John Favreau described it. I think he did an article or an interview for an article in uh, I want to say Hollywood Reporter 
And he was just talking about his influences for this and stuff, which, by the way, he gave some really nice props to George Lucas as well. And he said, you know, the interviewer asked him, they were like, hey, there's people that are going to associate this with, uh, you know, like the prequel trilogy and stuff. And do you have, you know, does it have like negative connotations? And I forget exactly how they brought it up, but they were talking about like George Lucas and the prequel trilogy. And John was like, no, like he did a lot of technical innovations with that. And we're basically like kind of standing on the shoulders of what he did. Um, and even, you know, he mentioned the fact that George was like the first one to use uh, digital cinematography and the first one to do a completely CG character and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that they're just taking some of that stuff that he pioneered and running with it to do, you know, even more cool stuff in The Mandalorian. But he also said that his main influence for this is like, he said it's a new hope and specifically it's the first half of a new hope, um, you know, on Tatooine and in the cantina and Moss Eisley and stuff. And he said, you know, he wanted to delve more into like the weird, freaky, dark side of Star Wars and what he called the Mad Max side of Star Wars, um, which you definitely see right there with, you know, stormtrooper heads on spikes in the desert. Yeah, it's just the tone of this trailer. I mean, it was kind of, I mean, we got the tone of what the series was going to be about in those bootleg qualities for those of us who weren't there. <laughs> it was always our only way to see it. But man, when now that we're just seeing the footage and what the series is going to have in store for us, you know, seeing all this great looking visuals in good HD quality, just really selling us how special this series could be. I mean, I sent a tweet out that I just watched a trailer for a movie or a TV show or a movie because it looks that good. Yeah. And, just it like you said, incredible. the it tone that incredible. it sets, like having that old Western feel to it. I mean, that's how it's being described as well, but set in Star Wars and Star Wars. Oh, it's always had Western elements to it, but The Mandalorian looks like it's taking that to the forefront. And it's just really capturing of what, you know, they set out to do and what I think we're all excited about it to see, too. Um, just what, what we're seeing in this trailer. This looks incredible. And then so many cool looking costumes in this thing. And this might be... The Star Wars, uh, you know, the series, whatever, whether it's a movie, TV show, game, the one thing that's probably filled with tons, like the coolest costumes. I mean, you got Mandalorian, mm -hmm. you got Death Troopers, and what's you know, Heart Shocker, probably the best shot in the trailer, with all <laughs> lined up, blasting, ready to fire on their enemies. There, just a cool looking visual. They need to run regular stormtroopers, and then some other trooper designs, character designs that we probably haven't even seen yet, but they're just going to be a visual feast <laughs> for the eyes to take in. I mean, just in this trailer alone, but over the course of what an eight or nine episode season, man, they're just going to be full of Star Wars goodness with this thing. It just, I mean, again, I don't want to say or like I wasn't expecting it to look this good, but it was just hard to go off those bootleg trailers to really appreciate it. And you kept saying that to us, Paul, all the time as we were watching that, but you were mm -hmm. there at celebration to see how great it looked. And now I know exactly what you're talking about because the way you felt after seeing it at celebration, maybe not quite on that excitement level of being in the room with other star Wars fans and Dave Filoni, John Favreau and the cast. But I mean, it just did its job of really making me even more excited for the series and just realizing how special it could be of getting finally a live action star Wars TV show. And it's going to be on, the scale that the Mandalorian is looking to be on. It just looks incredible. So much good stuff to geek out over in this trailer. Yeah, definitely. I, and I mean, like I said, from last time we talked about this, like when we were talking about the bootleg footage from Celebration, 
like I was excited about it, but there were a couple things about it that I maybe had some maybe doubts or reservations about. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe the reason that they haven't like released it is because this footage was still a little rough around the edges. And like maybe, you know, it wasn't meant to be released to the public because it's not completely done yet. Um, but seeing it now, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this looks amazing. Like the the doubts and stuff that I had before about, you know, the quality of it like went out the window. Um, just the scale and the production value on this looks amazing. And like I said, we still have no idea what the story is going to be, but knowing that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were involved and the amount of just love and care that they're putting into this and how much they care about star Wars and obviously Dave Filoni's track record with star Wars stories. I'm not worried about that at all. I think my biggest takeaway from this is just that they have absolutely nailed both the look and tone and feel of like Star Wars that we know and making it feel familiar, but then also just showing a lot of cool new locations and designs. And I mean, some of my favorite shots in this trailer are just the shots of the ship flying over different landscapes. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of great ones of those. Yeah. And I mean, you guys know I love ships and can't wait to see some cool, you know, space battles and stuff. Um, And I'm not expecting like big scale fleet space battles, but we even get a, a brief shot in the trailer of um, a couple of ships dogfighting, but also just visiting new planets and new locations and getting new alien races. But then at the same time, the fact that we've got familiar things in here like Mandalorian armor and stormtroopers and a guy riding a blurg and Twi'leks. And, you know, it's just I think it's going to be a perfect blend of the new and the familiar and classic Star Wars and new Star Wars. And uh, yeah, it's getting me really excited. Yeah, this I've gone on record many, many times talking about the um, the series and 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 what it means and and everything. It's just one of those things where I, I really feel that the Mandalorian is going to be special. And I know it's 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 really easy to say that. I think in some in some cases because it is a lot of OT era stuff. It's got obviously Mandalorians in it and. I just the look of this is it feels like you said it feels like a movie Tim. This does not feel like a tel- television series, and it doesn't feel like it feels like it's just going to be a film. It feels like it's a movie that's coming out this summer, and we can't wait to see it, and or this winter or whatever. But it's not. It's going to come out in a few months. It's a TV series, and we're going to get you know it's going to be what ten episodes long. Is, is that how much we know it's going to be? I think be? right now it's, it's being rumored as eight. Yeah, well, I think they, I, I think they said eight. But fine by me. You know, you know, all killer, no filler, or no filler, all killer. You know, I mean, yeah. let's, uh, yeah, let's, and that's let's, still let's eight, eight hours of Star Wars. That's like four movies worth. Yeah, and so I, I, I really do think that this trailer only solidifies the fact that this is going to be a, a, a much better. Uh, let me take this back. Let me take this back. This is going to be the replacement for Game of Thrones, as far as I think a appointment television where everyone's going to want to sit down and watch it on Tuesday when it debuts, which I'm debuts and which I'm assuming it's going to be probably later in the day, not in the morning of, cause I hope not, or I'll be deleting Twitter and every social yeah. media thing off my <laughs> oh, phone. Yeah. So I don't deal with that. So hopefully they're smart and they just, they do it like, you know, maybe they drop it at seven o'clock, even at seven o'clock Eastern time. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Cause that gives me plenty of time to eat dinner, hang out. Cause I, I plan on having a, a, a people over at my house to watch this. And, Again, there's there's so much to, to to go through this, and I just yeah, there's 
Uh, it's it's great. And I, I really do think this is going to change Star Wars forever. I really do. I think this this to me is what is Disney Star Wars is going to be based around coming in the future. I think the, the sequel trilogy has not been bad, but I think this is what are, is going to get unite fans, you know, again, in, in a more broad sense. Is it going to unite every fan? No. I really feel like this is going to be the series that everyone, for the most part, are going to sit around and say, yeah, Mandalorian's good. Like, that's that's really good. Like, Rogue One. I feel like Rogue One has a very unifying feel. Like, a lot of people I talk to, not everyone, but I'd say most people I talk to all love Rogue One. You know, Force Awakens has kind of a tendency for, you know, there's, there's you know, it, it's definitely, it's on the scale of Rogue One, but it's it's still like, I would say they're equal, right? Rogue One and, and Force Awakens are somewhat equal. I do feel like Force Awakens is a little bit of a bummer rap as its connection with Last Jedi a little bit and just kind of people's negativity towards it in general. That being said, uh, and Solo obviously is just, in my opinion, just not loved enough. Um, but that being said, I just feel like The Mandalorian is going to be that series where everyone, it's going to unite fandom and everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, The Mandalorian, that is incredible or that's so good or everyone's going to have something in the show to latch onto and to be, to have an attachment to. And I think that's going to be what the series is maybe. And again, I also think that this is, you're going to, they're going to start seeing the galaxy's edge reflect the Mandalorian. I think you're going to see the Mandalorian roaming around galaxy's edge, Batu. Hey, that would would be pretty cool if he's still around in that time period. But I think he's going to be, I think I just, I just think that there's, it, this will be. This will give Galaxy. If, if this is a giant hit, this will be what Galaxy's Edge will start tailoring itself to, and I think that's a good thing. I, I don't know. I, I again, I could be wrong. Well, see, here's the only thing with that. The, Galaxy's Edge is supposed to like canonically fit into the storyline around the time of the sequel trilogy, and so if you start running into the Mandalorian wandering around there. I don't think they would do that because they don't want to interfere with the storytelling for like future seasons. Like what if in the season finale, like the series finale after they do five or six seasons or whatever, if he like dies and sacrifices himself, then it's like, well, why is he still walking around galaxy's edge 30 years later? Well, if um, anything, you know, he won't die. Well, right. But that's what I'm saying is we don't know that yet because John, you know, I mean, John Favreau is already writing episodes for season two, but who knows where he's planning to go with it. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that Galaxy's Edge is going to start being modeled off of this because I think they're pretty set on that being based on the sequel trilogy, especially with like the Millennium Falcon ride and the Rise of the Resistance ride. And they've already got, you know, Rey and Kylo and the First Order Stormtroopers and stuff walking around there. And the Mandalorian is like a completely separate storyline and time period. Um, but I think you're right, Paul, that this definitely has a chance to be kind of a clean slate, if you will. And not that I necessarily think that Star Wars needs a clean slate. I'm just saying it's, again, it's a a new story, a new character, a new time period that hasn't really been explored before. Like nobody, at least I certainly hope, nobody's going to be boycotting this because they didn't like The Last Jedi or because they didn't like Solo or something like that. Like this is completely separate. It's different people making it. It's different people on screen. Um... It's like if you, heck, if you love Rogue One and Solo, but you don't like Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, I think 
those people especially are going to love this because it definitely looks like it's got the same kind of like just visual style as row one in terms of like evoking the original trilogy, but then taking it one step further and kind of doing its own thing and like modernizing it. But also, you know, if it feels like there's a split there, I know a lot of people love all the Disney Star Wars movies, but it seems to me like there's a lot of people that don't like Force Awakens and Last Jedi as much, but love Rogue One and Solo. And then there's people that love the sequel trilogy and don't like the spinoffs as much. But I think regardless of what camp you fall into, or if you don't like any of them, or if you love all of them, um, I think this is going to be a new starting point that everybody can kind of jump onto. And I really do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I I mean, I'm not going to personally get up on a soapbox and say, this is the next Game of Thrones. I mean, if it is awesome, but I just want to let this be its own thing. Um, well, it, it, and, when I say Game of Thrones, I don't mean like like for its style and, and violence. It, I mean, oh, no, it no, no, no. I know I'm just saying, I'm, yeah. And I'm just saying, I'm not trying to compare the two. Like, I'm not going to be disappointed if the Mandalorian isn't as popular as game of Thrones. If I enjoy the heck out of it, that's all I care about. No, of course. And, and that, I want to be very clear. I just, that's how, con- I, and again, I'm, I don't, when I say, when I say it to me as popular as that, it's because that's how confident I feel with it. When yeah. I watch the trailers, when I saw it in the in celebration, and I see this trailer. I still don't even think this trailer does it justice to what we saw in the, in the theater. And you guys all saw bootlegs of it, yes, but this really is a special. This is special, and I just you know I just had this feeling. I'm like, this is going to be huge. This is going to be like, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I, I just have this feeling. It's going to be gigantic, and I think this is going to change Star Wars forever. Because because of the idea that it's not going to tailor itself to a, you know, an audience to where we have to appeal to, you know, a younger, younger audience. Again, it's appealing to the a little bit of an older audience, the 12 year olds, the original audience that George was kind of going for. Mm-hmm. And again, and it's interesting because I was watching this video. It was very anti Last Jedi, which, again, I'm not anti Last Jedi. I like to rip on it. Just kind of be funny. But uh, I don't hate it. But at the same time. I understand why people don't like it. But what's interesting in the video, they talked about how it was like, oh, George, you know, George says it's for children, but they all have violence in it and all this stuff like this or whatever. And and I thought, yeah, but I think the violence in Star Wars, it's it's almost telling a, a cautionary tale in a way, yeah. right? And I, it's never, if it's gratuitous violence, it, it, you could debate that, sure. But there's lots of stuff in it that I think that like, again, they, they brought the example of, of the Lars homestead being burned down and then their skeletons being uh, present. And they also show the part where Lucas's hand cut off and, and other things like that. And when you look at all that stuff, they're all telling specific story or stories, uh, you know, caution again, moral lessons, right? There's a lot of lessons involved in that. And I think that they use, I think Star Wars has always done a pretty good job for the most part. I think of using that, that, that violence and a little bit of a, a little bit of pushing the envelope for as far as a family viewing, it's good things to talk about and again and show people kind of what's going on. And I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was really. I personally think the Mandalorian is going to push that to its edge on Disney Plus, just what we've saw, and I think that's great. I think this is going to be a thing for families. I think there's going to be complaints from families that it's going to be too violent. 
to be there honest. might be but then There's you know i predict and, and i think that you can then point those people to star wars resistance and star wars rebels and say this is no, more, I, no I agree. this is more appropriate for your seven-year-old but, but um, i don't but i don't but i don't think it's going to change disney plus though is what i'm saying this, yeah. this is why i think this is why it's important because i think what's going to happen is that disney plus is, is going to be the edgiest thing on disney plus this I'm assuming this series, unless Marvel does something crazy. They do have Moon Knight, but that's a different podcast. Uh, but uh, that being said, I think the Mandalorian could be the edgiest thing, edgiest thing they have. And, and I'm we, okay with that. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm trying to say is that like this is going to usher in a different side of Star Wars that that maybe Disney wants to kind of implement. And again, you know, there's been there's been fans out there who are like Resistance, Resistance is too kiddie and and whatever. And I think what I like the idea is I think John Favreau, the letting John Favreau and Dave Filoni do this world right and to give us something a little bit edgier than what maybe the sequel trilogy maybe necessarily you know role to do and give families you know again the family you know kids kind of have to be a little bit older potentially to watch the mandalorian and have it be kind of like it's a it's a big deal so I will. I do think there's going to be a, probably a little bit of a backlash from super conservative moms out there, but in the end, I think it's only going to make. I, I just think this is going to be gigantic, and I think it's only going to help fuel people's love for the series. So, yeah, I I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be. It's, this is going to be gigantic, and I, I like I said before, mark my words. Mandalorian's going to change Star Wars forever. Where it's going to be a primary TV TV property. Yeah, so I, yeah, movies here or there, but we'll. But I think it's going to be TV from here on out. At least for the most part. I mean, so. I I still disagree that it's going to shift to primarily TV. Um, I think f- like they're they're always going to want to keep putting Star Wars movies out, at least as long as they're successful. I, I mean, we'll we'll see yeah. how how the next trilogy goes and stuff. I think Star not, Wars is always first right. and foremost going to be TV. But the I also agree with you that I this is years. ushering in a new age because we've got a couple more live action series coming after this. Like I think this is going to open up a whole new storytelling medium and a way that we are going to get a lot more uh, star Wars stories in the future. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for that. Just to Um, piggyback off of what you were talking about with maybe potentially pushing the edge a little bit more for an older audience. I think you were seeing that in the trailer, just how awesome (laughs) the action is going to be Mm -hmm. in this show. I mean, there's so many, especially at towards the end of the trailer where you see the Mandalorian on that turret, just mowing down (laughs) enemies on the rooftop. Then you get IG-11. I think that's officially his name now. Yep. Not IG-88. Yeah, and <laughs> they said that in the series he's going to be mistaken for IG-88, and that's going to be kind of like <laughs> a comedic like plot point. See, no, that's cool. I, I See, I didn't hear about that. Well, that should be pretty funny. But, yeah, this is the action in this trailer just really gets you pumped up for what's going to be in store for us and just how it's going to play out. I mean, the Mandalorian just looks awesome just in his movements and how he's using his weapons, the way he fires his plaster. And then you get that moment where he's in the bar where that Quarren comes up to him. He just takes him by the tentacles and just slams him on the bar. And then, and again, pushing maybe a little bit more of that edgier side where he's shooting at him and then he gets him with the the rope and he's, you think he's just going to pull him in, but no, he stops and shoots the blast door to shut it where it looks like it's going to snap him in two while he's, he's pulling the corn in between the door scapes. So we'll see if they actually go full blown and show that where he gets cut in two by the door. But it looks like that's what's going to happen in there. And again, just pushing maybe that envelope a little further than what we're used to in Star Wars, like you're saying. But man, it looks off the charts cool seeing the Mandalorian in action. And again, this is just a few glimpses of a teaser trailer than what we're going to expect to see in the when we see the actual full episodes of the course of a season, man, it's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, that that action scene at the end there was just it was kind of like one of those oh snap moments that go in there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and at the same time, I mean, that's nothing that we haven't really seen in Star Wars before. Because if you think of even you know Clone Wars, I mean, there's that shot where Ahsoka decapitates the 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 four Mandalorians all at once, and you know you get Savajo Press decapitating a whole room full of guys with his lightsaber. Um, and I don't think we're going to see the door slice the guy in half in all its gory detail and see like gut spilling out. But, um, you know, maybe we'll get just like a real maybe it's going to cut away a little bit later than it did in the trailer there. Or at least even the implication that we know what happened. I'm like, yeah, oh, you'll hear the dang. sound effect. Like, yeah, yeah. Like regardless, it's brutal. You don't have to show every second of that. They're not going to go Game of Thrones level on the violence. Um I mean, I fully expect that this is probably going to be rated like TV 14 or whatever. I don't know if they have the same ratings on, you know, streaming services, but essentially like a PG 13 rating. Yeah. Um, which is what all the movies are rated nowadays, anyways. And I mean, even if you think of like Rogue One, like every main character in that movie gets shot, stabbed, blown up, you know, by the end of the movie. Um, I guess not stabbed for the main characters, but, you know, Vader carves up a whole room full of rebels like thanksgiving turkeys so uh you know i i don't think it's gonna be anything like as far as specific violence i don't think they're gonna go too much further than what we're used to with star wars but just presenting it in sort of that like action-packed kind of dark gritty visceral way um and i think this is gonna be like it's something that probably families can enjoy but maybe families like with older kids but i think this is targeted a little bit more towards the older fans as well um, but man, like I said, I am, I'm fully on board with this now. And I was from the beginning, like, even if the footage from celebration didn't completely blow me away, like I had to take into account the fact that it wasn't in nearly the best quality, um, that it's still very early days. Um, but just the, the details of what we knew about the show and the people involved in it and everything, um, and just the premise of it had me really excited. And now that we've seen our first official look at it, I'm like, yeah, it looks like they're delivering on what they're promising. I mean, the only yeah. thing that's still an unknown, like I said, is the story itself um, and the actual sort of like personalities of these characters and their character arcs and what like the main plot is going to be. Because as of right now, all we know is that, you know, the Mandalorian's a bounty hunter and he's out here collecting bounties. But I assume there's going to be, you know, like a, an actual sort of driving plot that develops over the course of the season aside from just every episode being him going to collect a different bounty um but regardless i think this show is just going to be chock full of so much cool star wars stuff like i said lots of new stuff lots of familiar stuff uh and just lots of fun stuff and i can't wait to see it and speaking of collecting bounties i love that shot where you see his collection of bounties and carbonite yeah <laughs> all in his cargo hold he's just walking by and that was just such a cool visual to see you know carbonite in live action again <laughs> it was just really cool like I'm sure there's going to be some easter eggs as far as some of the other uh, bounties he's collected as far as either yeah. characters or alien species goes <laughs> it's just to be a lot of fun on that level too with easter eggs and stuff there for fans to geek out of especially when you know that Favreau and Dave Filoni are involved with it. That's just another thing that adds to the excitement, especially Dave Filoni knowing how big of a Star Wars fan as he is and how many wonderful, great Star Wars stories he's told already. Now he's doing it again in live action this time. It's God, there's so much to be excited about with this series. And it's only a couple of months away now, and it's 
going to be fantastic once we start getting it on a regular basis. Yeah. Oh, and then a month later, Rise of Skywalker comes out. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And one other thing, uh, John Favreau mentioned this. I forget if it was at the panel or in an interview, but. Um, he did say that, I guess this was an official confirmation. I think it was in an interview like backstage. He said he thinks that they're going to be releasing them one episode at a time. Um, yeah, that's confirmed. I think that's confirmed. Okay. I, I don't sure. remember hearing any official confirmation on that from Lucasfilm, but I've heard a lot of different rumors and stuff that that seems to be the consensus. I also did hear a rumor too, that like on November 12th, they might have the first two episodes out. And then just release them weekly after that, um, which I think would be cool because then, you know, you yeah. get a little bit more to start off with, but then still well, keeping you coming back week after week. Yeah, I think that that's probably the smart thing to do. And like I was telling Tim, my prediction is this, because if it's eight episodes, they may not do the first two episodes if it is eight episodes, in my opinion. But I could be wrong. But either way, if they do, when they do release it, they'll have a break before Rise of Skywalker. So what's so what they might do is they might give us like the first like five episodes and then by that point it would be yeah that four or five episodes if you if you release them once a week and because uh, what they might do is they might put two episodes out at once but then not release another one the next week you know what I mean to kind of let mm-hmm. it kind of like, kind of sit but either way if you just give it if you just waited till a month the next month that would be what four weeks assume four or five episodes have three episodes left you would stop. You would stop it on that that week before because of what Rise of Skywalker Rise of Skywalker comes out what the fifteenth of December or something around there. Oh, uh, the twentieth, I think. Oh, twentieth. Okay, so you figure you you can you, re- you release it one week before you stop it, you, and then you have it like the Rise of Skywalker be the next big Star Wars thing after that. Build it up, and as soon as you know you bring Rise of Skywalker back, a la like Rebels, you have that break between the, the the film release, and then you bring it back, kind of right in the coattails of Rise of Skywalker to keep your Star Wars thing going. Because one of the things I think what they're you know obviously what they're trying to do is have their brands year round, and when I say have their brands year round, to really have you enthralled in that in you know whatever brand you're into, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars or both or whatever, to have something coming out all the time to keep your interest every, you know, at least what, three, four times a year to have you keep coming back to the app and keep you forking over that money to keep having that available to you. Right. Because obviously if you, if you have just, just the movies and that's it, you're not going to want to keep shelling out, you know, six, seven bucks a month though. I probably would, but not everyone's going to, but that's the whole point now. So that if you think about it, you, you, cause we also know the clovers are coming in February, right? So, you know, you figure that, there might be a break between the Mandalorian between December and January. And then right after that, you have the, you know, you have the Clone Wars. And then after that, the Cassian Andor series will, will be coming, not like really soon after that, but somewhat soon. So I kind of feel like they're going to be, and then right, or actually, excuse me, after Clone Wars will be the Rise of Skywalker will hit Disney Plus. So that's more content hitting it for that brand. And then obviously, Four to five months later, six months later, or I'd say what four to five months later, probably Cassie Nandor hits. So Maybe you see season what I'm, two of the Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. So I, I don't mean, know. We'll see. Yeah, but, but my point is this: is like they're 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 doing it to they're going to have it where there's going to be new content for whatever brand you have. Look at Marvel. I mean, look at all the different TV series they have going in, in motion right now. They're they are basically staging themselves to have year-round new content for you for that brand specifically and it's genius and i think and this is why again i see star wars as the future is tv because this is what people are going to be like you know there's going to be something for everyone and if marvel's any indication of what they're trying to do with their brands they're going to have 
they're going to keep giving us new TV series, such as an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, well, I mean, heck, Marvel's going to have people satisfied almost every week with all the stuff they've got announced. But um, but yeah, so like you said, uh, they did announce a release date for Clone Wars. Finally, that's coming February of next year. And I like that Kathleen Kennedy started off their presentation with that. Um, And uh, they didn't really talk much else about it. I mean, Dave Filoni didn't mention anything about that. He just was there to talk about the Mandalorian um, but it was nice to hear Kathleen Kennedy acknowledge like how much Clone Wars means to the fans and that they know how much people have been wanting to have that back. Um, and uh, yeah, she said that the new I actually I think the series itself may be coming to Disney Plus on day one, but the new season is coming in February of 2020. Um, so good to know that we don't have to wait too much longer for that. I mean, we figured it wasn't going to be a day one release, but nice to know that we won't have to wait too much longer for that um and like then I said, with all the stuff we're getting before that it'll be here in no time yeah yeah definitely Seriously. i mean heck we won't even be over rise of skywalker by that point yeah <laughs> um and then they also talked about the cassian andor series briefly i mean they had diego luna and alan tudyk come out and talk about it and basically just talked about how they're starting filming uh next year in london um and just the fun dynamic that those two have working together um, and I love that Alan Tudyk uh, proposed his own name for the series. He said, you know, oh, we can't say the title yet, but I think we should call it K2 Fast, K2 Furious, a Cassian Andor story. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing the two of them together again. Um, and it seems like it really might be uh like K2 is going to feature in it prominently, which I maybe wasn't expecting at first. I was like, when I heard that they were doing a casting series, I was like, oh, I hope K2's in it at some point. Like maybe we see them meet for the first time. Um, Cause I was like, you know, doing all that CG motion capture and stuff on a TV budget. I didn't know if they'd be able to do that, but it seems like he's going to be a pretty big part of that show. So I'm excited for that. Um, looking forward to seeing more of the rebellion in that time period and maybe see more of like Saw Gerrera or Mon Mothma or Bail Organa or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, they didn't really give us much to go on except for the fact that um, that starts filming next year. So I assume we'll get that either late next year or maybe early 2021. Um and then, of course, they did the Mandalorian stuff. They did the Rise of Sky. Or no, I guess they didn't do the Rise of Skywalker stuff. That was the next day. The Mandalorian was kind of the big thing. And then to cap off the panel, Kathleen Kennedy goes, OK, you know, we, we want to uh, welcome out a returning fan favorite, you know, member of the Star Wars family. Um, and we had heard rumors like the a week before that uh, Ewan McGregor had signed on to do Obi-Wan and, you know, it wasn't officially confirmed, but it was like kind of unofficially officially confirmed. Um, so we're all waiting for it. But at the same time, I don't know about you guys. I was kind of hoping that it was maybe going to be somebody else just as a surprise because I was like, well, that's what we're all expecting. But maybe it's going to be something else. Um, no, it, it was the Obi-Wan or nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> like, I, well, but, and then they started playing duel of the fates and I was like, Oh wait, is it Ray Park? Are they going to do a Darth Maul crimson Dawn series? Cause I would be totally fine with that too. Uh, but no. And then of course you and McGregor walks out um, and they confirmed that he is returning to play Obi-Wan Kenobi once again uh, in a Disney plus series that is also set to start filming next year. So um, yeah, I think, 
at least early next year, it's going to maybe be a little slow. Like we're going to have the Mandalorian. We're going to have Rise of Skywalker. We're going to have the Clone Wars. And then probably not much after that until maybe late next year. But then between season two of the Mandalorian or the first season of the casting series or the first series of the first season of the Obi-Wan series, I think one of those is probably going to be hitting by the end of next year. And then, you know, well into 2021, we're going to have three live action Disney Plus series going on at once. Um, And that's going to be just so much fun to watch and so cool to be getting all that new Star Wars content at once. And like I said, it might feel a little weird that there's no movies going on, but all that content together is going to be a lot more screen time, you know, a lot more hours of Star Wars content than we would get just from movies. So, um, you know, it was awesome to get that confirmation. Um, and just the fact that Obi-Wan is coming back. I mean, we'd all like, we've talked about this. We've speculated about it. I don't think any of us are opposed to, uh, getting an Obi-Wan series. And that's just something that in and of itself is just super exciting to have you and McGregor coming back playing Obi-Wan. And this, that was such a great moment. <laughs> I mean, I've watched it a few times of Kathleen Kennedy bringing it out, you and McGregor onto the stage at D23. And every time I watch, I get a smile on my face. And Even though he didn't say hello there. <laughs> yeah, but I did like what he did, though, just playing up the fact that he's been asked about it for so long and all mm-hmm. these rumors about it. He always has to dodge the question or just say, oh, I'd love to if they ask me. So I just love how he asked Kathleen. I want you to ask me if I'll be playing Obi-Wan again. And she asks him and he just says a simple yes. <laughs> and the crowd erupts. And it was just a great way to play on how they knew everybody wanted this. It is now confirmed. I just could not be more excited about it. Maybe it is a little bit of a bummer that the reports came out just a week before this. Because how it's a major cool- bummer. It, yeah, I say a minor bummer because I was still plenty excited <laughs> when it happened. Yeah, it was great to see. That's it, true. But... If it had been like a big surprise, we all would have been like losing our minds. Yeah, it would have been crazy. But at the same time, it was still a great moment. And just man, just giddy with excitement as far as what we could expect in an Obi Wan TV series. Now we could say it for sure. Just we always speculated, like you said, Kyle, how cool that would be, and maybe even more so than a movie that was probably originally planned. Just knowing that we'll get about at the least like six to eight hours of Obi-Wan stories set on Tatooine. And they did confirm it is eight years after Revenge of the Sith is when it's going to take place. So I just think it's right in that sweet spot of not too close to Revenge of the Sith and not too close to A New Hope, but almost right down the middle there. And that's going to be the setting for some amazing stories, I think. And I can't wait to find out what they're going to be, but I'm sure we already got plenty of ideas in our head of what, we can expect to see an Obi-Wan TV series. And I know first and foremost or first and foremost on my end is just hopefully, and I think they will dive into this is just more of Obi-Wan's training as a Jedi and becoming, you know, to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine and becoming a force ghost. If we get him trainings with, you know, through the force and through meditation with Qui-Gon and Yoda, you get Liam Neeson back to do a voiceover, you get Frank Oz, I mean, there's just tons of stuff they can do and just on an episode like that. Just imagine a full episode of Obi-Wan in a force meditative state training to become a force ghost and just how crazy and awesome that could be. That's what I'm hoping for. Then you can get smaller stuff with him, you know, dealing with the Sand People and Tusken Raiders, dealing with some crime organizations. And then hopefully another thing, too, a big element would be him and his, you know, being a watchful eye over Luke and protecting him for any dangers that, might he might come across and then having him 
you know, argue with Owen and just have them come to blows and, you know, how Owen doesn't want anywhere near Luke and his family. This all, They played a little bit about on that subject in the early Star Wars comics, and that stuff was great. So if we get to see more of that dynamic in the series, it's going to be incredible. So I just love that this isn't speculation anymore. It's happening. We're getting an Obi-Wan series, and Ewan McGregor is back. I mean, it doesn't yeah. get much better than that with Star Wars, and it's up there – as one of just my most anticipated Star Wars releases ever. <laughs> and so. you could get Joel Edgerton back to play Uncle Owen too. Yeah, you could. Good point. I, I think it's I think that's a very possible thing. Because I think one of the things that's really interesting about the Obi Wan series is that there are rumors flying that Obi Wan I call him Obi Wan, that uh Hugh McGregor is gonna direct some of these episodes. Hmm. And that would be cool. And that because he's he's already been directing like that's yeah. already an established thing, right? Well, Joel is it Joel Edgerton? I'm sorry, is that Ed- Edgerton? I can't say his name. Is that am I say is it am I close enough? Yeah, Edgerton. Edgerton. Ed- Ed- oh, I can't. I, you I, were close enough. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I everyone who listens to me on podcast, I apologize. I know I suck at pronouncing things, and if you know the Marvel newscast, you'll understand Dormammu. I butchered that name for <laughs> Dormammu. Yeah, he got it that time. Uh, <laughs> well, I did. Well, now I'll never, I'll never not get it. Uh, anyway, he's also a director as well. So what would be interesting is that what if he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come back as Owen, but I'll, I'll sign on and I'll, 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 I'll do, I'll be a director as well. And again, getting they're getting their foot in the door with the mouse. Um, and again, I'm not sure if Joel wants to necessarily do that. He's kind of an indie director and he's a great actor too. So. It would be interesting what he wants to do, but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't shock me if the fact that Ewan's on board. Why wouldn't he be on board? I mean, he wants to make money. It's like if if there's a story there, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll make some money. I'll do that. It would only make sense. Yeah, and, and I think especially if he's a more important, if he has a bigger part to play than he did in the prequels, because well, I mean, right, back yeah. then he was kind of just starting out, and like nobody really knew exactly. who he was until afterwards. It's like, oh, that guy that played Uncle Owen for like two minutes in the prequels went on to, you know make a pretty good name for himself as an actor but i think they could definitely get him back if they were like hey you're actually gonna like have a big part to play in the story this time around no exactly and that that's the thing so i'm like okay well yeah let's uh let's see what happens it's it's really really exciting to see what they could do and and like tim said you know this it's bummer they could this couldn't have this could have waited until d23 because the trades got it, and obviously that they were toying with this idea because they were like, oh, he's in negotiations. Like, okay, really? Come on. You know, I mean, mm. let's be real but here. But we had heard that, like, we've. Heard, I feel like we've heard that rumor once a year for the last, like, two or three years, which oh, yeah. makes I sense. I think even because, longer than that. <laughs> well, and I'm not talking about just rumors, though, of, like, oh, Ewan McGregor says he wants to come back for an Obi-Wan series. I'm talking about, like, Hollywood trade sites talking about him being in negotiations for the role. Um, where we feel like, oh, it's like almost confirmed. Like, I feel like that's happened at least a couple other times. Um, but it makes sense because at least from like rumors that we've heard, it seems like this has come close to happening a couple other times. Like this was going to be the next Star Wars story film, um, before Solo kind of, I wouldn't say bombed, but bombed according to, to Disney standards, apparently, because they went back to the drawing board, scrapped the whole Star Wars story spinoff film idea and we're like let's just do um live action series instead and so um it seems like you know they probably tried to get it off the ground as a movie a couple of times and now this is where they ended up 
But yeah, it's nice to finally get that official confirmation and not be, I'd not even be wondering if it's going to happen because the Obi-Wan project has always been one of those things that like, it was more always just a question of when than if. Um, but now we can finally just put all the rumors to rest and just wait for it to happen because we finally know that it's happening. It's such a great feeling to have knowing that it's happening. <laughs> yeah, that for it's... sure. Um, Hopefully not too far away. Yeah, and, and they said that this one also starts filming next year. So like I said, between this and the casting series, I don't know which one starts first, but I would imagine that at least one of them will be out either late next year or very early the following year. Um and like you said, Tim, I think because look, I've said before, like, I love you and McGregor as Obi-Wan and I'm always down to see more of that. But sometimes I've struggled getting excited with like, OK, well, for a whole movie, though, or a whole series, like, what are they going to do? Just have him on Tatooine fighting sand people the whole time. Um, but then I thought about the thing that you were saying, and definitely the thing that I am most looking forward to from this is the Jedi stuff and the force stuff. And I want to see him learning from Qui-Gon and from Yoda and have, I mean, can you imagine like a Mortis type episode where it's all three of them, like Yoda (laughs) on Dagobah and Obi-Wan on Tatooine and Qui-Gon in the force, but like the three of them coming together in either some sort of vision or like communing through the force in some way and almost going on like a journey through the force together. Um, would just be uh, it's you know again to see like a mortis type episode in live action would be so trippy and weird and awesome and i would love it um just the greatest thing ever <laughs> yeah <what> it would be <laughs> yeah but even if they don't go that far like just to hear uh i mean at the very least they have to get liam neeson back as qui-gon at least to do a voiceover um oh yeah because we know that qui-gon can't like physically manifest himself as a force ghost um but to hear him communing with Obi-Wan again um, would just be so cool. So that's top of my wish list. And even though they've done it before, heck, if I like I'm totally cool if they don't do this, but also if they want to redo Twin Sons as an episode for the people that slept on Star Wars Rebels, I wouldn't complain seeing that again, too. Yeah, I, I tend to think that this there's a lot of different stories you could tell. And I've gone on record. I love the idea of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi dealing with his failures and becoming bigger and learning from them and becoming a better person from them. And I think that all those things of you know, being a better Jedi, developing himself. There's a lot of stories to tell. Even the comic books, you know, that the new canon comic books in the Star Wars main series where Luke's reading the the, the journal it's really fascinating because I feel like some of those stories are really cool. Like obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi was getting in Jabba the Hutt's business. I mean, you very well could, you could, you could see the return of the puppet Jabba the Hutt maybe in this series or Jabba the Hutt could return in a, C- a CGI version in this series. I, I think there's a very, very uh, strong possibility that it could happen. I think there's uh, obviously a lot of Moss Eisley stuff that, you know, think about this, you know, let's assume the Mandalorian is the that's Tatooine, which we all I think we'd agree that's probably Tatooine, right? Yeah. Well, they've maybe they have created the set for Moss Eisley for the Mandalorian they can use now for Kenobi. Yeah, so, maybe. And so I mean, there's a lot of resources you can do, and you don't have to go, you know, Ewan doesn't have to go fly out on location to a to a desert to do it. He can just do it literally in California and then go to a couple of deserts and Arizona and whatever, as I'm assuming Ewan probably lives in LA a lot of times. So, you know, I mean, 
I feel there's a lot you can do with the series. And you can really, and a lot of really interesting stories you could tell. A lot of being of a lot of, of emotional stories you can tell, but a lot of fun Star Wars stories. And I think what the really cool thing will be is the light when the lightsaber comes out, it's going to be special because he's not going to use it all the time because he can't. Mm-hmm. But he's going to. I mean, come on, he's going to. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something they say for like the season finale of the exactly, first season. exactly. Like he has to go in to somewhere where he like kind of like a. Exactly how John Jackson Miller kind of did it. Mm. He has to go in and he has to like use his lightsaber, but he has to like make sure you know he uses he can't reveal who he is exactly either. So mm. there's there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with this series. And again, I think what benefits it being a series is you can have him going off of Owen Lars, Owen Lars and him fighting because in the comic books he's like, "Why are you doing here? You need to get away from my family." And you know he has that tension. He's like he's trying to help the, the Lars homestead, but then he gets resented and. You have them kind of developing their relationship and, you know, all that. And also him and, and Yoda communicating and him and Qui-Gon communicating and, you know, all that stuff. So there's so much rich storytelling, I think, with with no, excuse me, with Ewan the, uh, and Kenobi that this is going to be a really great series. I, I really think so. So I'm really, really excited. Yeah, I think so, too. And like you said, I think it actually is <clears throat> probably for the better that this ended up being a series and not a movie because you can – tell different types of stories and then not have to like make an entire movie about that one thing but you can spend like one episode week to week just exploring different aspects of what his life on Tatooine would be like um so yeah I'm really excited I'm, I can't wait to see what they do with it um and obviously more than anything I'm just excited to have you and back as Obi-Wan because I think regardless of what they do like the stories themselves honestly could be like not that interesting and you, just the fact that we're watching Obi-Wan do it is still going to be enough to keep interest for a lot of us prequel fans. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that we finally got that official confirmation. And that's just one more really exciting piece of star Wars content that we get to look forward to. Yep. Like I said at the beginning, this was a long time coming, <laughs> getting this announcement. I'm so glad that it's finally here and official. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, moving on from that, um, There's one other just brief thing from D23 that we'll talk about in a minute. But just as far as Star Wars stuff coming to the screen and coming up later this year, um, about a week ago, they dropped uh, the trailer for season two of Star Wars Resistance um, that is also coming this fall. Um, And you know what? Honestly, like and I know Resistance kind of flies under a lot of people's radars and we've all watched it and like it's fun and, you know, it has some good parts to it. But, you know, generally like we aren't as ex- I, I would definitely say like we're nowhere near as excited for this as we are for Mandalorian or Rise of Skywalker or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but they put together a pretty impressive trailer for this season two of resistance. Um, like the kind of thing that I'm not like super hyped for it and like, Oh man, I can't wait till this comes out. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this and I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be better than the first season. Um, and if we've learned anything from Star Wars animation in the past, like with Clone Wars, with Rebels, the second season always takes a big step up from what they did in the first season. Um, but it's going to be fun to see where they go with this. I mean, they're kind of headed into uncharted territory now where this is going to be kind of taking place. It's going to start off around the same time as The Last Jedi and then launch into kind of uncharted territory in between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Um And we know now that they're not going to be tied down to uh, whatever planet that was that the Colossus was on that, you know, at the end of the last season, we found out the Colossus is a giant spaceship um, and took off into hyperspace. And now they're going to be 
traveling the galaxy, trying to help out the resistance and just going on all these crazy adventures of their own. And we see just lots of different planets and locations and alien races. And, you know, you see things like the Guavian Death Gang and uh, even Kylo Ren shows up in here. Um, and more, of course, of like Commander Pyre and uh, some of the other First Order agents that we saw in the first season. Um, so, I mean, I'm I would say I'm excited for this. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what more uh, like how much more context this adds to the conflict between the First Order and the Resistance and seeing if there's even anything in here that might tie into the Rise of Skywalker because um, we know that, you know, I'm assuming this year in between The Last Jedi and The uh, Rise of Skywalker that all our main characters from the sequel trilogy are going to be out there trying to recruit more allies for the Resistance. So um, I don't know if maybe they'll cross, like the main characters in in Resistance will cross paths with Poe again and maybe even Finn or Rose or even Rey. Um, or if anybody from this series might have a cameo in the movie or something like that. But, uh, you know, it'd be fun to see where they go with it. Yeah, and the big thing about the trailer is they revealed that season two is its last season. So yeah, not going to have quite the long run that Clone Wars and Rebels had. But I think it's fitting and probably the smart move to do, mainly just because of the timeline that Resistance is set in and how you know short that timeline is of the sequel trilogy. And having it take place during The Last Jedi or after The Last Jedi, and it even says in the description that's going to lead into The Rise of Skywalker. So it makes sense that this would be its last season. But I agree. It was a solid trailer, and even though there was still more of that, you know, resistance antics that we've seen in the first season of Kaz bumping into things and being, you know, a little clumsy, but, you know, that's expected. That's how the, the tone of the show and the character that he was, so makes sense that it'd still be featured in the second season, but the stuff I really liked is, you know, more while they're diving into the First Order, like I said, we're going to see Kylo, but just seeing, you know, Tam now fully into the First Order and looks like she's probably going up against Kaz and the resistance in some fights, which should be made with some pretty interesting sequences. And you could probably predict what's going to happen. Well, like towards the end of the season series and the season, she'll turn size and move against the first order and join back with her friends and family. But until then, hopefully it makes for some, you know, good drama going into her character and her working with the first order and going up against her former friends. So that's the stuff I'm most excited about for it. And then of course, just seeing how it all ends and leads into the rise of Skywalker. And like you said, maybe if they will have a little crossover here and there, whether it's more movie characters showing up in the series or even not necessarily characters showing up in the Rise of Skywalker from Resistance, but maybe the Colossus as a space station showing up in a, in a battle sequence or something. Maybe that's a ship that jumps, comes out of hyperspace in that shot in the teaser that we yeah. didn't see yet. So little stuff like that will be interesting. But yeah, well, I'll definitely be here watching it just like I did season one when it begins, I believe in October and still the same time in like Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. So mm. it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> October 6th at 10 p.m. is when it starts. So there's, and I, I'm one of those people that had a rough time with resistance at first, and it definitely caught its footing. The trailer was impressive. I have to say, it made this should have been the start from it, it, from the very start. I love the idea of what they're doing, and it also it's also interesting that it's the final season. There's it was only meant to go two seasons, and uh, you know it, I know there's a lot of people complaining that they didn't release it on Blu-ray. I, I bought the DVD myself for the Canon shelf. And, uh, 
you know, I'll be honest, it's one of those things, people, that I think that if you don't buy it now and you're you're a collector and you're just kind of waiting for something better, don't wait because look what happened to the Ewok films and look what happened to the droids cartoons with all those DVDs. Those are are like sought-after collector's items now, and they're not probably going to release those things ever again on, you know, not saying they won't ever release Resistance on uh, another re-release, but you just never know. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy that DVD set for my Canon shelf and I'm going to be very happy because I'm sure it's going to go down as like something that people are going to be, man, oh, I didn't buy that when it came out, you know, cause it's, it's, it's usually those things that usually become sought after because no one did buy them and there's such a low order of them. So just want to throw that out there. But yeah, as far as resistance, the second season, it looks a lot better already. Just, I'm like, man, like the storylines, the different planets, you know, I can get behind, behind all that and get behind the, the the kind of more of a aimed at a younger audience kind of idea if they go do some more interesting things you know and not being on the same water planet for you know 12 episodes sounds good and and, and for those who remember i complained the same way about rebels i didn't like being on lothal the whole time you know and again they that was more of a limitation because they couldn't get the computer animation to like go different places it's very, very expensive Whereas, you know, 2D animation is a little bit different, but I'm already really impressed and excited where we're going in this. So I'm I'm really, really happy. And I think this will be a pleasant surprise. I mean, think about this. We're getting Mandalorian, Resistance, Clone Wars, Rise of Skywalker, all within a calendar year or within, you know, a year from now or between now and the next year. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, not like even next, more next like August. half a year. Yeah, I mean, between I'm, yeah, between saying, now but... and February, which is what, like eight months from now or something like that. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, just tons it's of good Star Wars content. Not to mention Jedi Fallen Order. Um, yeah, exactly. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, and that's coming out in November too. Um, so, yeah, we got tons of good Star Wars stuff coming on the horizon. And yeah, like I said, I mean, Resistance certainly isn't top of my list as far as what I'm excited for, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, and I think the thing that I liked the most about season one was getting to see more of the first order and also the resistance and just kind of getting a better idea of how they operate and just sort of what their place in the story is and what their place in the galaxy is because the movies just kind of throw them at you like, oh, here you go. We're 30 years after Return of the Jedi. There's a resistance. There's a first order. Here we go. Um, and I liked that, um, that resistance, the show, uh, kind of establishes a little bit more about, you know, what they're about and who these people are and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to the, to more of that, but also just seeing, you know, the adventures they go on and the new characters and locations and stuff. This seems a lot more, um, like you said, just not a, a lot more kind of freed and not tied down to the one planet. Um, and they're probably going to be going to a lot of cool and interesting places. So um, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that uh, when it airs on October 6th. Um so one last thing that I wanted to mention from D23, um, this wasn't, you know, related to Star Wars movies or anything like that, but related to the theme park stuff. Um, of course, we know Galaxy's Edge is open and then, uh, you know, you get the Rise of the Resistance ride that's opening, I think, at the end of this year in Disney World and then beginning of next year in Disneyland. Um, so that'll be the full Galaxy's Edge, Edge experience. But we hadn't heard anything for a while about like the Star Wars hotel that they had talked about building. Um, and so they gave some more details on that at D23 at some of the parks panels and stuff. Um, and they said this is going to be called Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. And it's crazy because this thing is like 
it's not even they weren't even referring to it as a hotel as much as just they, I think they were calling it like an interactive vacation experience. Um, you can't book a one night stay in here. I think they it's like a two day, two night experience. Um, and then I think they said it also includes a pass to Galaxy's Edge for like the third day. Um, and I don't know how that works because as far as I know, like you don't need a ticket to get into Galaxy's Edge right now. But maybe they just bundle that with part of the experience. Maybe they're trying to get more people to go to Galaxy's Edge or that just kind of completes the experience and makes you feel like you've taken a cruise to Batu or something like that. But um, regardless, the, the Galactic Star Cruiser itself is a, a two day, two night thing. Um, and they said, uh, you know, it's just this interactive Star Wars experience from the minute you step foot in there. I mean, even when you get out of your car and walk in the door, they said, you know, it's meant to simulate there's like a pod that you get in that then takes you up to this spaceship. Um, and they have like concept art of it and a model of it. And it's this real sleek looking giant star cruiser that looks pretty cool. Um, and then you spend two days on there essentially taking part in your own Star Wars story. And they said, you know, you'll get to interact with new characters and familiar characters. And I remember seeing a picture where Chewbacca was on there. Um, but also, you know, you just get to take part in a lot of different activities and stuff. They said, like, every window looks like you're looking out into space. So I don't know if, you know, they might be all LED screens where you see, you know, it looks like stuff is moving by and whatever. Um but also one thing that I thought was really cool, they said there's like a lightsaber training thing, I think, which I don't know how that works. Like everybody on the cruise is a Jedi. I don't know. But obviously that's a Star Wars thing that everybody wants to take part in. And they said they'll have like a lightsaber training thing for both kids and adults to take part in. Like everybody's going to get to play with a lightsaber because normally like when they do the Jedi training academy at Disneyland, it's like just for little kids. Um, so it'll be it's cool that like everybody will get to take part in that and nobody's going to be too old to swing a lightsaber around. Um, but there were also rumors about the price of this thing and then uh, strap oh yourselves boy. in because this is <laughs> yeah. not cheap. Now, these are rumors that we'd heard from other like Disney blogs and stuff. This wasn't any official information that they released at D23, but they were saying that like for a, a I guess for one person, I don't know if it's for a single cabin or just for like a ticket for one person, uh, it's $3,300 for the two nights uh, combined like for the whole experience and then they said for like a cabin of five people it's uh $7,700 um which geez you, like you could almost buy a car for that much but <laughs> everyone will be quoting Luke a lot we can almost buy our own ship for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I mean come on like uh, but I mean it's one of those kind of things where if you have the money it seems like this would be really cool and I would love to be able to go do this someday um but also, this is only going to be at Disney World in Florida. I don't think they're planning on opening this in Anaheim anytime soon. Um, so this is one of those things, like, if I ever get to do it, that would be awesome. You know, if I ever end up with, like, a six-figure job and I can save up enough money to to be able to go do this, it's definitely something that I would spend money on if I could. But also, I'm like... You know, I'm not trying to go there anytime soon. Like, I definitely want to go to Galaxy's Edge in the next year or two. Um, but Star Cruiser, eh, I don't know. We'll see. But if I ever get to, it sounds like it'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, you said it best. It all sounds awesome. Some cool to experience as a Star Wars fan. But at that price, yeah, <laughs> it might be a while. Or you got to, like, find a lot of people to go in on it. Like you were mentioning that before we started recording, maybe people should just you know start getting groups together to pay for that you know 
you know, five person catherine or whatnot. Somebody, each person puts a thousand dollars in or whatnot. It might be cramped, but <laughs> we get to experience it. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like a cool, unique experience for Star Wars, which, again, like you said, if you have the money to do it, why not? It should make for a fun experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, if if any of you out there listening are planning on trying to go to this, well, there's the scoop on it. Um but I definitely look forward to once this comes out, just, you know, seeing pictures and videos and stuff. I mean, I, I know, Tim, you said you've stayed away from that kind of stuff from Galaxy's Edge. And yeah. I've, I've seen pictures and stuff of it, but I've stayed away from like, you know, I've seen people on YouTube who've posted like full video walkthroughs and, you know, done videos of like the lightsaber building and stuff. And I've stayed away from all that stuff because I'm like, I'm going to go and experience it for myself. But with the Star Cruiser, I'll probably be looking at a whole bunch of pictures and videos and stuff and going, eh, maybe someday. Same here. Yep, I'll be watching everything that comes out for that because I know it'll be a long while before I experience it firsthand. Yeah. Um. Well, last thing before we wrap up here, um, that was all the D twenty three stuff. But the week before that, uh, Gamescom was going on over in Germany, um, and there was a lot of video game news coming out of there. Now I'm surprised because I could have sworn that we were going to get some Jedi Fallen Order stuff from gamescom and i mean the last time they talked about it and showed gameplay and stuff was back at e3 um and maybe they were planning to do stuff at gamescom and ended up not going or maybe i'm just misremembering maybe they just said they would announce more in the fall and i assumed it was going to be gamescom um so we didn't get anything on jedi fallen order um but you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, as far as we know, the game's still on track and it's still coming out in November this year. Um, but we did get a lot of announcements about what's coming out for Star Wars Battlefront 2 for the rest of 2019. Um, and there's some really cool and exciting stuff in here, uh, not least of which is the fact that clone commandos are coming to the game as a reinforcement for the Republic side. Um, you know, of course, the uh, the troopers from the Star Wars Republic Commando video game that we then saw in the Clone Wars uh, TV series. And so I'm really looking forward to being able to play as those guys. Um, Such a cool but short reveal trailer for them, too, to see that yeah. classic-looking helmet. Man, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so definitely looking forward to that. That comes out in September. Um, actually, as we're recording this, there's an update coming out tomorrow. Um, so by the time you guys are listening to this, it should already be out. And it's um, they're adding the capital ship interiors from capital supremacy. Um, they're making those into maps for heroes versus villains. Um, they're also adding some customizable, uh, appearances for the battle droids. So you'll be able to buy, uh, different battle droid skins and equip those. Um, I'm trying to think what else comes out tomorrow. Oh, I think they're also, uh, they're making some changes to the hero star cards, like the, the star cards where you get the health, Every time you kill an enemy, that's now going to be a passive thing that all heroes just have, and they're replacing those with some new star cards. So um, some good changes coming out this month. But then, yeah, next month, Clone Commandos, uh, the new planet Felucia is coming next month as well. And then also... um, they're adding oh they're adding instant action for single player so it's basically capital supremacy without the ship phase so it's basically just classic star wars battlefront just these big maps where you get to run around and take command posts but it's all single player against ai but they've now got ai that play as tanks and vehicles and stuff like that um so you get pretty much the full multiplayer experience in a single player package and then they're also adding a co-op mode where you play online with a, a group of up to four players 
um, and kind of do the same thing, but it's kind of like an objective based. Actually, from the videos I've seen, it almost looks more like uh, Turning Point from the first Battlefront game where you, you're basically capturing command posts, but kind of in sequential order and like marching your way across the battlefield. Um, and you get to, you know, team up with friends and do that. So it's cool that they're adding stuff for the people that maybe aren't as much into the multiplayer side of things. Um, but I think for those of us like me and you guys um, who just love playing online with friends, I think just, you know, the clone commandos and the capital supremacy on uh, Felucia is the stuff that I'm most looking forward to. I'm actually um, pretty excited about the co-op mode, though. I mean, that's something I wish in the first Battlefront had to have the survival co-op that it was more than two players. And yeah, I know this is going to be different than survival, but just the fact that you get like a four player co-op mode in the game, I think should be really fun. So I'm looking forward to doing that one, especially as clone commandos. too. So. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, that's the thing I'm looking forward to with that. The most is just being able to team up as a squad of four clone commandos and just wreck some droids. That's going to be yeah, a lot that's of fun. Gonna be a, that's literally going to be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And the thing that's cool though, too, is, up to this point um so those updates are coming in september and that was as far as we knew um and they hadn't said that like the game was going to stop being supported after that or anything but there were kind of some questions as like okay well how much more content can we expect after that um but they said in this video that or in this this announcement um that they've got stuff planned for the rest of 2019 as well that there's going to be some new reinforcements and some new uh some more hero appearances and I think I mentioned this on our uh, New Hope commentary as well that we just did, um, that they said that there's going to be they, they kind of hinted that there's going to be a new skin for Luke from A New Hope. Um, but then they also said that there's going to be new content from The Rise of Skywalker at the end of this year um, and that there'll be uh, at least one new map and some new reinforcements, which I'm assuming will include Sith Troopers um, and then maybe, uh, you know, some kind of new re uh, resistance unit or something like that um heck maybe some new ships too maybe like a resistance you know y-wing or b-wing heck b-wings would be cool because we don't have those yeah. in battlefront yet and then you know maybe a new starfighter assault map so i can't wait to see what they add from rise of skywalker and uh man from all accounts it just sounds like the game is doing really well right now uh which makes me super happy i mean i know i say this every time we talk about battlefront but just looking at where it started at launch with the loot boxes and the controversy and everything and then compare that to where it is now and how many people are just loving and enjoying the game and how many new players are playing or people who gave up on it at the beginning that are now getting back into it and i've even got a couple of friends like that i've got one friend that i just convinced to get the game for the first time and another one who uh actually a close friend of mine and then also a co-worker of mine who both said you know they bought it when it first came out played it for a little bit weren't really into it and i was like dude you should check it out again and now they're both hooked on it so um cool to see people coming back to it and really just the way that that game has made a rebound especially for you know for people like us who've been enjoying it all along um and never really gave up on it or anything um just to see it getting you know that recognition and uh getting people coming back to it and seeing it um, finally be, you know, on a good track is really good to see. Yeah, for sure. And we just played a few days ago and I was the first time I played it in forever. I mean, I haven't played it 
before since the Droidica update happened. So that was my first time seeing them and then knowing that there's more cool stuff on the way. It's yeah, I'm glad I'm jumping back into it again. It was fun playing with you guys again. It's been a long time, but knowing About what's time. in store. Yeah, I know it was long overdue for me. Yeah, no, uh, and that was really fun because we had just talked about too on our last episode. We were like, man, we got to get together and play some Battlefront again sometime. But it wasn't just the three of us. We were also playing with my dad and a couple other friends of mine. And we had a group of six guys playing Capital Supremacy and you know, just all being on the party chat and being like, all right, let's group up and take this tank out or go, go take this command post together or whatever. Like just, that's what it's all about, man. Like, and it had been a long time since I'd played with that big of a group. Um, and man, just grouping up with friends and getting to do that tactical gameplay and like go take command posts together and stuff. I was so happy. I was just like, man, this is star Wars battlefront. <laughs> yeah. And more, like you said, more of that's on the way. I can't wait for Felucia. I think that's going to look incredible. And it's all the clone commandos, man. <laughs> yeah. And Rise of Skywalker, too. So I, was surprised. I wasn't sure we Battlefront would be continuing its updates by the time we got to the Rise of Skywalker. Because yeah, man, they're I talking about either. the game launching when The Last Jedi first came out. And you would think, you know, if they're going to continue that DLC up to that point, I wasn't so sure. But the fact that they are, it's pretty awesome knowing that we're going to have content from pretty much all the movies in the game so it's just really cool that it continued on this long yeah and you know it's cool too because there was a uh, an interview with um the design director for battlefront his name's dennis brandvall over in stockholm at dice um and he was just talking about the journey that the game has been on and uh you know how much how much it's improved since launch and all this kind of stuff that we're talking about um, but they asked him about like a star wars battlefront 3 and he said because i think you're right like by this point, we assumed that either at least the game would have kind of died out by now or that they'd be working on a Star Wars Battlefront 3 and trying to push that out, like to coincide with the movie release. Of course, we've got Jedi Fallen Order coming out this year, but um, so, you know, he talked about how for the longest time, you know, DICE and I think games in general, because Call of Duty and other games kind of do the same thing. He said they've been so focused on uh, he said he described it as being on a sequel treadmill. He said, you know, we release a game, we put out updates and DLC and stuff for a year, and then we move on to working on the sequel. And then we try to get people to buy the next game in the franchise. Um, and he said, you know, why it, it, we're kind of starting to turn away from that. And like, if people really love one game, why do we want to get them to stop playing that and then buy another game and hope that they love that one as much as they did the last one, when we can just keep working on adding to and improving the game that people already love and he said you know whatever people are looking for in a star wars battlefront 3 in terms of like new content or new experiences or whatever like we can deliver that to them without necessarily having to like make a whole new game out of it we can just keep working on this one so that was cool to hear i'm like obviously if they were making a star wars battlefront 3 you know i would be have that pre-ordered to download day one regardless um but I'm still enjoying the heck out of Battlefront 2. And if they just want to keep adding cool new stuff to this one instead of um, putting out a Battlefront 3. I mean, at this point, I don't feel like we need a Battlefront 3 because we've got like Battlefront 2 is pretty much covered yeah. all its bases. You know, we've got heroes. We've got space battles. We've got ground battles. We've got vehicles. we got all eras. we got, you know, all kinds of heroes and troopers and all that good stuff. I'm like... I can't really think of like enough that they could add to really justify making a Star Wars Battlefront 3 unless they just like completely redesigned the maps but made them on all the same planets and stuff. And there's still some planets like, you know, Bespin and Scarif and stuff like that from Battlefront 1 that they 
could bring back or make new maps out of like battlefront 2 doesn't have everything but it definitely has enough that i'm not like oh man we need a new game that has xyz um and so i'm perfectly cont perfectly content to keep playing this one and uh you know as long as they want to keep supporting it and keep updating it like i'm definitely looking forward to seeing um what kind of stuff they add from the rise of skywalker and he also hinted that like obviously all this past year they've been all focused on clone war stuff and even from you know late last year when they did geonosis and anakin and obi-wan and dooku and grievous and um even like the new capital supremacy maps they're all on clone wars era planets but they've talked about how they're kind of at the point now where they're ready to maybe start shifting their focus back towards like original trilogy and sequel trilogy and so we might start getting some new maps and stuff from those eras as well so um yeah i'm excited to see where they go with it i'm gonna keep playing and uh you know i'm just really happy with where this game's at right now and can't wait to see uh where its future's headed yeah same here <laughs> same but um yeah well you know what i can't believe we kept this episode under three hours um but that's all the stuff we've got to talk about for now but you know what? before we wrap up um and i may end up eating my words depending on what our listeners have to say um but <laughs> it's not over yet <laughs> yeah yeah tim i know because i know you you know i'm sure we've got some comments and stuff but i know you also put a couple polls out and stuff like that so uh why don't you uh give us the lowdown on what everybody's been saying on facebook and twitter and uh what our listeners are up to yeah of course so we got a couple of responses in the usual places twitter and facebook but first, we've got to get to the poll that I put up um, right after D23 wrapped up and we got to see the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker because we knew that was coming on Monday. So once we got to see that, I put the poll up for what everyone was most excited to or most excited for after everything that was shown at D23 on the Star Wars front. So choices were the Clone Wars Season 7 premiere, the Mandalorian trailer, the Obi-Wan TV series announcement, and of course, The Rise of Skywalker. So... Coming in at just 6% was the Clone Wars Season 7 premiere date, which, you know, not too surprising. But at the same time, I'm glad Clone Wars got some votes here because no matter which of these choices you were going to select, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one of them. All these are going to be exciting new Star Wars content that's on our way. So glad that Clone Wars was shown some love here among some heavy hitters like Episode 9 and Obi-Wan TV series. So um, coming in third at 21% was the Obi-Wan TV series. And I was actually expecting that to come in second because we knew it was some we were all looking forward to to get that official confirmation. But, you know, it just goes to speak that when you actually have footage and new trailers, it's hard to overcome those. But so the Mandalorian trailer came in third at 29%. And then winning it all, the Rides of Skywalker at 44%. But uh, Mandalorian's Obi-Wan TV series were pretty close. And like I said, I'm just glad everything had a vote because all this stuff is just awesome. <laughs> I mean, all these four bits of Star Wars content that's on the horizon is just going to be so amazing to get. And the fact that you can't hold it against anyone if they're more excited for one over the other. They're just all looking and sound that great. So just amazing that we just got all these things at D23 over the course of one weekend, which made it so much fun. So it's just awesome that we just even have these choices to select from. So not surprised that the Rise of Skywalker won, but good to see that um, the other ones were shown some love too. Okay, so I always got to do this with our polls. Same question to you guys. You know what? Going into it, I would have said the Obi-Wan TV series, but because I... 
we're talking about how for D23, we're just expecting on the Rise of Skywalker side of things, how we would probably just get a behind the scenes video. But the fact that we pretty much got another trailer, I mean, and looking as amazing as it did and having the surprise with Ray looking like she's going to the dark side with the double bladed lightsaber. I mean, it's hard for me not to pick that. That just took things to another level as far as the Star Wars excitement that weekend. So for me, it's going to be that Rise of Skywalker new footage. Yeah, for me, it's going to be... I'm going to go with The Mandalorian just because I'm really just really pumped for what this could mean for Star Wars going forward. But at the same time, it's it's barely it it is uh, above Rise of Skywalker. But I'm really excited about Rise of Skywalker, too. I'm I'm eagerly awaiting it and also scared to watch it, knowing it's going to end the saga. I was just telling Tim that I'm coming to terms with it, the saga ending, if it really is ending. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really I mean, anxious to see it in a theater. And that is one thing I will say I, I never I don't think Star Wars will never go away from TV or from movies, but I, I definitely think that the TV series will, will replace a lot of that content to drive it, and the movies will be that special thing. But I will, I'm looking forward to watching The Rise of Skywalker with you know, my wife and my, my brother and my other good friends and, and watching it and kind of like reacting to it, and hopefully I have a better reaction than I did the first time I saw The Last Jedi. But <laughs> I'm I'm really excited. I'm I'm excited for uh, the Rise of Skywalker. But I'd give the edge to Mandalorian just for a little bit. Yeah. Well, as far as just because Tim, the poll was which announcement from D23 got you the most excited, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I think for me, I can say it was the Mandalorian. Now I have to put an asterisk by this because the only I, I think maybe the Rise of Skywalker footage would have gotten me more excited if we had been able to see it at the same time. Because um, again, by the time we were finally able to see that footage, like we already knew, I, I already knew what what I was expecting in it. So um, I'm definitely I think I'm more excited for the Rise of Skywalker. But just based on what we saw this past weekend, what got me the most excited, I think it was the Mandalorian footage, finally getting a full HD trailer. And obviously we got more footage from the Mandalorian than we did from episode nine. Um, And that just made me go, dang, that looks good. Um, So, yeah, I think that was probably the most impressive thing um, that we that we saw or got announced this weekend. And of course, you guys know me. I love Clone Wars and I'm really looking forward to that as well. And I'm glad that we finally have a uh, a release date for that. But, you know, we didn't really get any new footage or details or anything from that. Um, and now that we know that's coming a couple months after Rise of Skywalker, that's kind of I wouldn't say on my back burner, but I'm like I kind of prioritize my excitement as far as like, OK, what do I need to get hyped for? That's like coming up next. Um, and uh so, yeah, I, I think at this point I'm most excited for Rise of Skywalker, but the D23 stuff, it was Mandalorian that got me the most hyped. Yeah, and again, you can't go wrong with either one yeah. <laughs> or any of these choices. It's also cool. But then a few responses that we've got on all this great stuff. Uh, first up, Michael at Jedi Obi Mike on Twitter says, what he was most excited for is the Rise of Skywalker, but followed very closely by Clone Wars Season 7. And then PJ Woolman at Remy's Gambit says, The new Episode 9 trailer was jaw-dropping, but I was still giddy from the announcement of Kenobi. Can't wait for the show to drop. I think I'm happier that it's being made into a series rather than a movie. We can spend more time with the character and story this way. 
And then Paul Stewart at Mr. Peace Two says the Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker trailers were amazing. I'm still gutted about the lack of a UK release date for Disney Plus, though. It doesn't feel right that a country that provides a fair number of cast members and shooting locations misses out on new content. And yeah, that was a bit surprising because just before D23, Disney announced all the areas where Disney Plus was going to be made available and the UK wasn't one of them. But the last I've heard that it was going to be early 2020. So hopefully it won't be too much farther than that, Paul, because um, as everyone there who's watching all this stuff, I know is probably chomping at the bit to watch it just as we are over here. So sucks that you got to wait a little bit longer, but hopefully it won't be super far down the roads because I know about I'd go crazy if I had to wait to watch The Mandalorian, uh, knowing that others were watching it. So, oh I yeah, man, totally I'd be, I'd be turning into a Hondo pirate Jedi for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you almost have to. <laughs> and then on Facebook, we got one message from James Hewing. He says he's hyped more for Episode Nine. He he said, "Could the Star Destroyer be in the Maw? Bad Ray is possessed by Palps. Double red lightsaber looks similar to Kylo's." The blade looks broken and unstable. So it looks like James has noticed a lot of things that you did, Kyle, in watching the trailer about the Star Destroyers in the mall and Ray's lightsaber possibly or being similar to Kylo and stuff. So a um, lot of stuff to examine and geek out about in that trailer, that's for sure. So appreciate everyone sharing their responses and what they're most excited about and the little things you notice in the trailer because it's part of the fun is just being able to talk about and just express how excited we are about all this great content once we see it and are just waiting for it to come out. This makes definitely makes the time go by faster when we're able just to have these discussions and talk about all this awesome Star Wars content on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, always glad to have you guys chiming in on uh, on all this stuff as well. Um, and, you know, thanks for engaging with us and following us on social media and commenting on our posts and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you are not following us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. Uh, for all the latest news stories and stuff that we're posting on there, as well as, you know, polls and questions and all that kind of stuff that we post to you guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we will be back sometime next month with some more news or another, uh, commentary for Empire Strikes Back. Um, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to that whenever... Uh, we got more Star Wars goodness to talk about, but we certainly had our fill of it for this episode. Um, this was a fun one, and it's good to have you know so much cool Star Wars stuff to geek out over. Uh, but I'm losing my voice. We've been going for like three hours now. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Guts be rebel!